quarter to three movie podcast for The Dark Tower. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Murkowski. Uh, wait, my name's Walter. And with a Dark Tower tagline or two, Kelly Wand. I only have two. Okay. Uh, finally, didn't call. Go ahead. Sorry, what? I stepped on your tagline. Did it hurt when I did that? No more than the movie did. <laughs> Just don't step on his two skins. Uh, finally, an incoherent summer movie about CG. I can apply to a lot of movies, though, Kelly Wan. So maybe you have something more specific to Dark Tower for your second tagline. Elba's best since Prometheus. Oh, wow. That can't be true. That can't be true. It ma- it's making me think. Is that true? It's, it's not true. It's just a joke. But what has he done since Prometheus? It might be true. Wait. Just by default, it might be true. Zootopia. That's a cartoon, though. So Is the Losers pre- Prometheus? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Ray Prometheus, yeah. Uh, Kelly Wan, that, that, that might not be a tagline so much as just a true statement. Right. It's something to be said sadly. <laughs> Not on a poster. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into this. So, Dingus, I think there's stuff we're forgetting. But anyway. Probably, yeah. Uh, it's, the thing is, yeah it's the thing is, the, the poor guy can't maintain a consistent accent. I mean, he's just terrible at that. So it gets confusing. You see him in something and you forget it's him. Yeah. yeah. Does, does or, he talks, but, talks weird. On the wire, though, he. Uh, Oh, okay. I'm saying no, it's, no, weird. Not, it's weird watching the wire. Yeah, yeah, it's weird watching the wire and hearing that that Baltimore argot and and then seeing it, it's what's really weird is going back to his original British accent. You know what? We'll get into this when we talk about the movie. But first, because maybe Star we're Trek Beyond, we could be. <laughs> oh, very good, Kelly Wand. So it turns out your tagline is wrong. Age of Ultron. J.K. All right. Age of Ultron. Who is he in that? Oh, He's right. Fine. Oh. Right, he's the he's like Thor's doorman. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, all right, well, let's not spoil Dark Tower yet. Stand by for that because there could be listeners who haven't seen it and they're going la 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 because they're worried we're going to spoil something. So, Dingus, tell those people a little bit about what we saw this week. Yeah, doing la 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 really worked well for me this week. All right, so this week we saw the Dark Tower. A 2017 American action adventure science fantasy westernish adaptation movie about what happens to theme parks after the apocalypse. It was directed by Nikolai Arcel and written by him with Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Pinkner, also one of the producers. And Anders Thomas Jensen, based on the Dark Tower novels by Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you guys expected, but there you go. It told me I all I needed to know. Me, yep. This was supposed to get me into the books, because I haven't it's, read them. It stars Idris Elba, Claudia Kim, Catherine Winnick, and mm-hmm. some other people. The Dark Tower is rated PG-13 for thematic thematic material, including sequences of gun violence and action. 
Kelly Wan, is there anything missing from, from that MPAA rating? My MPA rating is fit for no living thing. Wow. I also wrote uh, two normal looking girls ask a character if he wants to join the party, and it's implied they're up to no good. But that might be from a different movie. So. <laughs> I seem Kelly, to recall that scene. I made a note of the face of your father. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, God. Uh, it's the number uh, one movie in America with $19 million. What? It opened at number one. Hooray for August. It's also the second biggest opening of all Stephen King movies of all time. Bullshit. Yep, second biggest Stephen King opening of all time. It's a triumph. Wait, second biggest? Yeah, yeah, 1408 beat it. Oh, 1408's way better than this. What? You've seen 1408? Isn't that a movie about a a haunted, like, apartment or hotel room or something? Uh, A, like, you, that's to you a dumb premise, and B... You didn't see it? What the fuck, dude? Why would I see that? Because there's good. Uh, you see every dumbass horror movie. Wait, that is a, a good movie point. Called 1408, and yeah. it's not about like the. It's not about it's Portuguese explorers in the New World or anything like that. Because that was referenced in this movie. Oh yeah. Oh really? Jeez. Wow, that's a surprise. I know. I know. How Internal weird. reference. Gosh, I never would have expected that. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, he does a lot of that in other books I'm otherwise enjoying. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way. The, you have the shine on you. Well, it's the shared Stephen King universe. Yeah, but which, you know, it didn't exist before the Dark Tower. But now then he went back and, oh, yeah, that Salem's Lot portal. And then I'm like, uh. Wait, yes, hold on. Dude. Let's how do you get awesome. Let's get into how this movie did critically. On Metacritic, it's at 34. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 18. And of course, <laughs> Cinema Score, they were like, yeah, sure, B. I liked it. I give it a B. Exactly what I expected and wanted. Yeah, Off I showed up on a Friday night to see this, and when some dude standing outside the theater asked me to tear a piece of paper on the grade that I give it, I give it a B. Reality TV, let's make him president. <laughs> see what he can do. Kelly <laughs> one, you made it political. Now that's just dirty pull. Is it political, though? If it's that stupid, isn't it just like an eclipse? <laughs> That's not political. <laughs> no, an eclipse is a force of nature. The Trump presidency is a force of idiocy. Mm. I know, but it's chemical singularity. Because his brain's got chemicals in it. So whatever's in there and whatever's Trump's in Trump's election is, is a chemical singularity. No, it's no. Kelly Wand. It has to be. It's not geography. It's, it's a not cult- geology. It's a cultural failing. That's okay. chemicals. Brain. We're Culture is not chemical. Just because you're a stoner yeah, doesn't mean everything is chemicals. Oh, wait. I got to smoke more of this Denmark weed. <laughs> All right. Just well, Kelly Wand. Selba. I do need your help, though, in huh? terms of making sense of this movie by providing huh? me with a synopsis of what I've just seen. Uh, one second. Okay. I'll stand by. <sighs> That's not going to help, but. All right. Dark Taupsis. Some words are all. There's a dark tower in the center of the universe that's supposed to keep McConaughey out, but doesn't. <laughs> At a summer camp, an air raid siren goes off. So the counselors and some of the kids have to put their heads in some clamps so seats goes into the sky. The tower of McConaughey is or isn't involved or nearby. In a medium close-up, location. Idris Elba sits with Ossie Davis by a campfire. They play oh, with the- no, 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 no. Oh, those insurance commercials are really bummed now. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. They all actors look alike to me. Doesn't even matter. Good save. See, yeah. <laughs> they play with their guns and recite cult slogans. Elba's dad looks around at something off screen. He's all, "Man, what just happened here? Sure was cinematic." Elba's all, "I don't aim with my finger. I use my open eye." Elba's dad's all, "I don't reload with my brain." I do sometimes, though. My sack got stuck in the trigger guard one time. Elba's all, I don't clean my gun. I shampoo it. The dad's all, I holster my gun in my holster. I don't... Wait, uh... uh. Suddenly, McConaughey shows up, swirls his hands around, and goes, Stop breathing. The dad hears him and falls asleep. (laughs) (laughs) See if you can hear him right. Elbazal, damn it. If only we had an answer to listening to McConaughey and watching his hands move. He shoots his gun a bunch of times. McConaughey catches the bullets with his butthole and farts them back at Elba. In slow motion, Elba raises his revolver and catches the farted bullets in his gun and then shoots them back again. So they both keep doing this till McConaughey is all. Looks like I'm immune to bullets. You're immune to magic. Looks like a pretty suspenseful matchup. He swirls his hands at us, spattering Jaden sitting beside me with water, and walks off screen. Elba screams no. Suddenly, a kid who's like the Jay Courtney version of Dane DeHaan farts awake in his bedroom. <laughs> wow, that's powerful. DeHaan's the LaBeouf DiCaprio, and then it's like a pyramid. Uh, the Fart to Han Kids wall is covered with fan fiction art of Cujo, the Green Goblin truck from Maximum Overdrive and Dreamcatcher. His blonde wand comes in, followed by a stepfather with curly hair. The kid looks at us and telepathically goes, My name is Jape Chambers. It's <laughs> <laughs> named after Shelley Long's character on Cheers. The stepfather rips the drawings off the wall and goes, Great, more drawings of CG. Ugh, how much just... How much therapy does King Kid need? The mom's all. Can't you pretend to be a stepfather for an entire scene? <laughs> Jake's all. I knew you were going to say that because I have the shine. It's like The Shining, but in this movie. Oh, shit. Uh, hola. Housekeepers here. Camping on the deal. You know what I'm saying? Hola. Just doing an opsis of the Dark Tower. I'll be right with you. You shouldn't speak. I hope she doesn't think I'm talking to her while I'm doing this. She's going to get confused. Keeps <laughs> all. Oh, yeah, I, have, I have to show her a message to tell her not to vacuum. We'll get into that later. Japes all. I knew you were going to say that because I have the shine. It's like the shining, but in this movie. Now I'm going to say that you're about to roll your eyes. The dad rolls his eyes. Japes all. <laughs> Could you wait, please? I was still talking. They wait for him to say more, but Jape loses his train of thought and goes to school to stand in a hallway and draw towers, then two small testicles at the bottom. The school bully, who oddly looks just like Jape, grabs away the notepad and goes, ha ha, so the tower's dark, but the man in black who's white is its enemy, and the gunslinger's a black guy who wears black but calls his enemy the man in black. Jape punches him. I look at Dingus beside me and go, night shift. <laughs> oh, wow. Did not see that coming. 
Ingus is all. That's not such a good point. I'm not so glad you said that. A guidance counselor grabs Jay by the scruff of the neck and goes, What the? Stop not letting this bigger kid steal your stupid drawings. Delinquent. <laughs> There's a reward from winning the fight. They make Jape go to the principal's office, which has a school psychologist in it. The shrink soul. So tell me more about the people with skin masks. <laughs> Jape Chambers is all. They work for McConaughey in a computer room. He's a sorcerer in this. Hmm, so the sorcerer uses computers. And inside this dark tower again. Jape shrugs. Hmm. So McConaughey is Randall Flagg in the stand. No, his name's Walter in this. Walter McConaughey. Hmm. Let's get back to these children of the corn you mentioned in our last session. Jape's eyes roll into his head. He froths at the mouth for a bit, and then he's all, you were just thinking of the number three. Hmm. Impressive. I was thinking of a cheeseburger. Sorry, I just watched Matrix. Since your predictions are always correct, I declare you clinically insane. Japes, I'll see. I knew I'd get in trouble. Explain that, non-pseudoscience. The shrink loses interest. On his way home, an Italian bum points at Jape from across the street. Excuse my house. Caper a lot, I think. And goes, You have a shine. Matthew McConaughey, uh, he is still a kid. Also, uh, in the movie, uh, The Magical Microphone, he was in, uh, he'd get on the stage, he'd say, uh, can you touch this? No. Can you touch these? He's saying no, but you can uh, touch them. And then you see a whole audience of uh, cute little lawbreakers out there. It's very boring. I see many times. Please help me get off of the Dunkirk. I steal this uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I forgot what happened in the other movie. My retarded brother, he, uh, the plumber from Brooklyn, uh, Mamma Mia. I hope this was helpful. He walks into an alley and stands there till the camera loses interest. Next day, instead of going to school, Jape stays home and, despite his concerns about people with skin tracking him down, asks the internet, Hey, um, where in New York is this black scribble I punched a kid for asking me to explain? Uh, if only I was psychic, huh? He gets only one response. Dear Jape, up your butt, Z-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Z-Bone's part of the Dark Tower, Steven. <laughs> Universe. Jape's all, hmm, my butt. That would explain some of the squiggles and trees and gum. Suddenly, his mom's all, hey, two psychiatrists are here with their skin coming off to take you to something called the clinic. Uh, I asked your stepfather for more details, and he told me to shut up. Ready? He's all, yes. Suddenly, on the computer screen, a random stranger types, oh, yeah, that's my old house, 69 Ferngolan. <laughs> Jape uses his psychic powers to read his monitor screen, then winks at the clinic guys and goes, hey, uh, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> he locks the door, giggles, makes sounds like he's opening a window while he poops. Then he's all, I mean, and switches those. Outside the door, the clinic lady with thick skin's all, he's trying to escape. Stop not noticing my skin. She shoots the door and breaks it down. The stepfather's all, stupid kid. Whatever the mom thinks isn't made explicit in this scene. The skin people <laughs> into a subway tunnel, but he tricks them by walking out of it. 
I guess they never emerge. I look over at Indian burial ground sitting beside me and go, you know what else would have helped him escape down there? A train. Meanwhile, McConaughey, although he's a sorcerer of portals, walks through a park sidewalk lined with mother and daughter extras on benches mooning over ice cream. One little girl's all, hey, mom, look what I can do. I just can't do it with my mouth yet. McConaughey's all, hey, the little girl who misheard him grates some cheese. Meanwhile, Jake goes to the abandoned house. She had it there, and he capitalized. Meanwhile, Jake goes to the abandoned house he sketched one time instead of a dark tower. He's all, oh, it's me, Jake Chambers. Like from Cheers. Suddenly, a corkscrew wood attacks him, then loses interest and makes a portal to get rid of him. Jake looks at us and goes, my shine is telling me to go through this portal so that the movie can continue. Eventually, he walks through where he emerges into a desert made out of gray pebbles. Jake, (laughs) whoa, these pebbles are just as small and unremarkable as described in book nine. He looks down there's a campfire with a canteen burning in the middle of it. Although Jake's only been in the desert for about three seconds, he picks up the can, snickers at the stupidity of its odor, and drinks all the vodka in it. <laughs> so thirsty. Idris Elba shows up and tries to shoot Jake. Jake's, I knew you'd find me annoying. I have the shine. Your character's name in this is Roland Duplain. <laughs> My abilities are unspecific. Let me complicate your life. Elba's all psychic. You seem dumb. <laughs> James, that's what the shine told me. And it's only wrong about 50% of the time. Uh, what's this movie called? The Dark Tower, though. Does any of the movie take place at it? See the interior? Elba sighs and draws a circle in the dirt, then fills it with six triangles. Goes, okay, doing this with CG obviously didn't take. So here, this is the universe. <laughs> Owned made of sand. Jake points and goes, What's this tarantula that's now crawled over it and it's erasing all your work? What's that represent? <laughs> uh, nothing. Get out of here, spider. I'm trying to teach a psychic kid geography. Okay, anyway, this tower uses psychic kids to shoot red CG up to about this height. Maybe about half that. Actually, wait here. I have some strawberry jam we can use. What's this shitting lizard represent? <sighs> lizard represents the giant tarantula that periodically attacks our universe. Tall towers are surprisingly vulnerable to tarantulas. Suddenly, he realizes Jake's missing. Damn kid. Jake wanders off into some woods, bored by the story. He sees someone we've never seen before and goes, hey, it's the ghost of my dad. My shine tells me it's definitely not some malevolent monster. CG. Thanks, shine. Elba shows up and shoots the dad till he turns into red CG. The red CG then turns into Elba's dad, so he shoots it till it turns into red CG again. Elba's all. That's just one reason why it's just called the Annoying Woods. Come on, I'll show you a bunch more. They walk to a wagon train village. A 15-year-old girl churning butter looks at Jake briefly. He's all. You looked at me briefly. Now I'm using the shine to prevent you from hearing my farts. Sorry about the smell, though. Meanwhile, back in Queens, McConaughey walks into Jake's apartment, looks at the stepfather, and goes, Stop breathing. The stepdad 
Miss hearing it drops his chicken wing and pushes his plate aside. McConaughey <laughs> said eating. McConaughey makes mom show him all the walls in Jake's room that are covered with movie posters for failure to launch and how to lose a guy in 10 days. Looks like a Meanwhile, some off-screen figures attack the village, I think, with knives. Elba and Jape trick them by everybody in the village dying. Elba getting shot and Jape stabbed. Elba saves Jape by shooting at some corn, although Elba's own heart almost distracts him. Jape's all. My shine tells me we should do this. He makes Elba get into a portal that goes to Earth. Or as it's known since the election of 2016... Wait. She's getting out the vacuum. Stand by. <laughs> the dark vacuum. A special appearance by Kelly Wan's cleaning lady. <laughs> Ask her what she thought of the dark tower. We want to know what she thought of it. Did she right. like it? I'll just I'll just add that as a question. Okay, stay there. Us? We weren't going anywhere. Is she talking to his cleaning lady? Did he also tell her to stay there? I don't know. I love how she's in charge. <laughs> I guess he didn't get permission to do an opsis before uh, she showed it up. It'll be difficult. I wonder if he's in trouble with this cleaning lady. Is that yeah. a hat? Can you he get might in, have trouble? Gotten in trouble? Yeah, he might have. Right. Well, fair enough. I mean, she's a German cleaning lady, Dingus. That's a good point. Because there's no, there's no dusting to be done in Germany. They don't have dust there. Okay, I asked her. How did that go over? She went, poor K. Now back to the Dark Tower. That's not German. No, she's not German. Oh, whoops. She speaks oops. Spanish. Gracias. It's Dark Tower. Sorry. <laughs> Japes all. Uh, this is the worst thing ever or the best thing ever? It doesn't matter. I agree. Guys, I, I agree take this podcast very seriously. You know what's funny? Nothing could have prevented this. But anyway, Jape saw, my shine tells me we should do this. So I was just picturing her listening to the, what happened. Jape saw, my shine tells me we should do this. He makes Elba get into a portal that goes to Earth. Or as it's known... In the Stephen King universe, Keystone Earth. I look over at the dome sitting beside me and go, so the Keystone cops are part of the Dark Tower mythos? <laughs> and the little rascals are like the kids in It. He says something that was scary in the 70s, but now it's just super long and schmaltzy. Elba has radiation poison from eating the villagers' corn, so the hospital sticks some tubes in him. Housekeeper, you can turn the vacuum on. A doctor's all, hey, I know I'm a licensed physician, but we all love your guns. We took some x-rays of them. Also, you're totally cured now and healthy, so we need you to keep you. We just need to stay here for two weeks. Oh, yeah, you need to fill out paperwork, insurance information, but we don't care why you're irradiated at all. Also, love Jin's Utopia. Really cool to see you play a bureaucrat. Also, this kid you have with you, he's been on milk cartons since Act 1. Uh, we're not doing anything about that. It's fine. Elba's all cool. He yanks the tubes out and they walk around. The kid and the gunslinger. It's T2 meets Westworld. The kid's all, here's a hot dog. 
Elbazal. You don't eat them raw? Barbarians. And eats it instantly. Japesal. Yeah, we don't kill and cook dogs. We do it to pigs. They're way smarter. Here, drink this. Ugh, mm, what is it? Uh, Coke. But in this movie, we call it sugar. <laughs> Celebrate the movie being almost over. Jape goes home where McConaughey didn't think to leave any stakeouts. He sees some charred bird marks on the floor of his bedroom that I guess the mom forgot to sweep up or something. <laughs> or it was just really sloppy art direction. Elba claps a consoling hand to Jape's lips and goes, I had a burned floor once. Let's go fight CG. They go to a gun store. The guy behind the counter call, okay, time to reopen the gun store. My dad got killed selling bullets to Terminators in. (laughs) (laughs) Taught me everything you knew. (laughs) It's probably other things, too. Elba points a gun at him and goes, give me all your bullets. Uh, although for the purposes of holding you up, my gun may not be empty. The guy anxiously complies. Japes all. I don't remember I was here, or I'll use the shine on you. He makes a hand gesture. The guy's all, don't worry, you're naturally forgettable. As they leave the store, Elba's all, now to execute my plan. <laughs> We'll get into it. Suddenly, Jape's kidnapped and strapped to a machine that the Dark Tower is near. McConaughey holds up a toy to Jape's head. It flickers dimly and dies. McConaughey's all, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. That's what I love about you kids with the shine. I keep getting older and you stay the same age. <laughs> Suddenly, Idris Elba shows up in a tunnel. A demon with a headset's all, General McConaughey, Jape is keeping the portal open by using his shine. Idris Elba tries to shoot McConaughey, but McConaughey tricks him by catching the bullets again. Then Elba tricks him by McConaughey forgetting to catch a couple of them. (laughs) (laughs) Music. (laughs) The fans of the books roll. Yes! Forgot! Jake walks on screen. He's all, my shine didn't tell me anything useful. The dark tower explodes, then does nothing. Alba nudges, Alba? Just Alba. Alba nudges Jake with his fist and goes, Jake, I really like how you got kidnapped. I'd like you to be my partner. Here, try to shoot these bottles. He throws bottles at Jake, who aims his gun and uses his shine to miss them all. Some words tell me who darkened the tower CG. To the end. (laughs) All right. Now my maid can appreciate the squalor. I've left her. All right. Uh, did she? Did she want to weigh in on this? She, she did with poor Kay. <laughs> I took that as a as yes, I've seen it. And why would you ask? Poor Kay is actually that's probably that that would be a full Spanish language review of this movie. It that would work. Better catchphrase than either of mine for the poster. Uh, well, it's Dingus' 3x3 three three next week. It's yours this Uh-oh. week. So I get to go first uh, and give you my, my over and under. <clears throat> my under 
I'm afraid I haven't seen my under. Uh, these are fish out of water time travel movies where somebody travels through time and is like, whoa, what's going on? They don't understand the modern world because there's a touch of that, obviously, in, in Dark Tower that I, there's very little of it. And I guess I could have used more of it just because I, I I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Idris Elba pretend to like be helpless and not understand what's going on. That Him thinking he's eating a dog. I would have gone for more of that. So these, these are movies like that, like Time After Time and Warlock. Wait a minute. You're, you're choosing an under that you have not seen? No. Uh, I'm, I've seen part of mine. I'm not I'm not saying any such thing, Dingus. You're going to have to rewind the tape and listen a little more closely. Unders hey, are hard choose, for this. You choose three by threes that you haven't seen, and you're choosing My an under is a movie seen. called Warlock 3, The End of Innocence. No one famous is in it. No one. Julian, at this point... Uh, Richard E. Grant has bailed for Warlock 2, Armageddon. Julian Sands is still around. Once we oh. get to Warlock 3, The End of Innocence, nobody famous is in it. Julian Sands won't even do it. No one will do it. It's an actual movie. That's what movie. the subtitle means. Exactly. Well, The, the End of Innocence makes it sound like, you know, it's like, like that makes it sound like a respectable movie. You know, Warlock 2's subtitle, Armageddon. Right? Uh, you know what you're in for. It's crazy actions. Wacky stuff is going to happen. It's going to be just insane and woo, magic. And, and what's worse than an Armageddon? An end to innocence. Yeah. So they ratcheted it up. So that movie has got to be worse than this. I, I can only imagine. Uh, a movie that's better than this isn't even a movie. There's this thing called Rift World Chronicles, which <laughs> are these little short YouTube things that were based on a short film, and I think there's like five or six of them. They're five minutes long. They star a guy from Battlestar Galactica whose name I have no idea how to say because it looks funny. His name is something like Timo Plinkabet or something like that. Timo Plunkaliet. It's some weird name like that. He played one of the Viper pilots. Uh, oh, shoot, what was his name? Forget his name in Battlestar Galactica. At, at any rate, Apollo. No, please. That's Jamie Bamber. Starbuck. Uh, no, that's Katie Sackhoff. Keep going. Jane Seymour. Oh, not, wait, was she in Battlestar not Galactica? The, uh, the Daggett. There's no Daggett in Battlestar Galactica, the real one, Kelly Wand. Janie, Jakey. Must so be. anyway, Tamo Perlockity, whatever his name is, he plays a wizard who comes through a portal, and there's a woman who's a travel agent. And he thinks that this woman can get him back to his, like, magical kingdom. And it's all crazy, funny stuff. And actually, some of it's kind of cute. It's very amateurish. It has no production values. You know, these guys didn't really have any money. But they did get this Battlestar Galactica actor and the actress who he plays opposite. She's kind of fun. So Rift World Chronicles, these little YouTube shorts, are better than the $60 million uh, Dark Tower. So that's my over and under. Kelly Wand, what's a movie that's better than this and a movie that's not quite as good? Uh, I did movies about a killer with a magic kid. Um, so my over is Logan. I thought that was – they had a more interesting relationship, but I think this movie thought, oh, we'll do it like that, you know, like a Logan. And they, they did this. So, uh, and then my under – I've only seen part of, so Dingus might get upset. But it's Curly Sue, uh, that John Hughes movie with Jim Belushi and like a crafty, um, they're like scam artists. It's like Matchstick Men, but with John, like Home Alone level violence. 
Kelly Wand, you would be terrible at calling in the coordinates for artillery. Really? Yeah. Fuck. You got to get those numbers close together. You're basically laying out a, a stake of, of territory with your Logan to Curly Sue that uh, y- y- it's the size of a whole state up in there, Kelly Wand. Wait, well, as long as they're on the right sides of the goalposts, I thought it was okay. That's true. As long as the, the artillery hits somewhere at the far end of the barrel and the short end of, of its extreme range, that, That's that works. That's what I said on my uh, job application. <laughs> but actually, I can't think of any job I'd rather have. That actually sounds fun. Than calling in artillery? Yeah. So the people that do it are basically under the artillery, though. Like they, They're doing it from a place where it could land on their heads. Oh, you got to be well, careful. I'll just, I'll just know what that is and then not say. <laughs> okay, don't say that place, right? Yeah. All right, so Kelly Wand, it's not quite as good as Logan, but it's slightly better than Curly <laughs> Sue. Dingus, what's a movie that's better than Dark Tower <laughs> and a movie that's worse than Dark Tower? Uh, I'm going to choose uh, American Werewolf in London for both since I haven't seen that movie. Uh-oh. I still can't believe he hasn't seen yeah. American Werewolf in London. Yeah, that's actually right. That, that is the lead here. Yeah. So as a, as a harumph. I gave it a three. <laughs> no, but uh, I jokes actually, on you. actually chose movies that should have been TV miniseries instead of uh, movies, because this movie is clearly a TV movie. It feels like a TV movie all the way through. And uh, to do the story proper credit, it should have been a miniseries, I believe. You? Really? Um, I do, so do you know the book, Stingus? Yeah. I know oh, them. good. Oh, okay. I have questions. Okay, I have questions. Go I ahead. Yeah. I'm very glad to hear this. I was not and aware like of that. you like them, right? Uh, I like at least the first four. I mean, I, I think that I think that the book de- the books deserve a fair amount of time to be taken with them. Oh my God, there and, are four books of this nonsense. No, there's a ton of them, but I. I, I How many? Is it seven? I, I don't know. Seven? I I ran out after four, but uh, what, what I'm what I'm saying is that uh, this should have been a miniseries, and it felt like a TV. It felt like watching a TV show most of the time. Both in um, acting ability, uh, casting, filming, editing, everything about this felt like a TV series. And it felt like it would have actually done better if it had been properly edited and made and filmed as a TV miniseries. So um, I think the under would be Valerian, which I think, as we after we saw Valerian, um, uh, our friend Alexandra said this felt like this should have been an episodic thing, and I don't understand why it wasn't. Um, and then the over, I would have, I would put Alien Covenant because I think making an Alien Covenant TV miniseries would be far more interesting than whatever they did with the movie. I liked the Walter in Alien Covenant way better than the Walter in this. Yep, I like the Rihanna dance in Valerian way better than anything in this. Mm, I'll go with you there, Kelly Wand. There's no... She should have been in this. Mm, no, no, nobody should be I, in this. I, uh, I couldn't get into the first book, and then everyone who read them said, yeah, you, it's like Parks and Rec. You just got to blow that one off, and then they get really good. Like, that's well, all right, so Dingus, I want to... Because my, my, while I'm watching this, I, I was thinking, because I know that it's from uh, some series, and I know that Stephen King writes long books, whatever, so I figured there was a lot more to this. Uh, a friend of ours who saw it said, oh, how could you possibly do The Dark Tower in 90 minutes? Like that was his reservation. <laughs> and my feeling about watching this was it didn't need to be longer. It just needed to be better. What mm. Dingus could have – like 
what what would I have gotten if this had been a good TV miniseries? Tell me what was missing from this that that the books could have given, uh, could have provided. More focus, maybe. Well, certainly more focus and more understanding of the characters. So, uh, what is your under what is your remembrance, either one of you, of the voiceover in this movie? <laughs> there was. Yeah. That's my answer. I don't remember it now. Yeah, if, still, if you'd asked me, yeah, if you'd said, "Is there voiceover in Dark Tower?" I would have been immediately, "Nope, no, it's just people." Who's he? Uh, Idris does voiceover. Am I that you guys dumb? don't you don't remember voiceover in this? No, no, never. I don't remember any instance of it. Okay, I saw it four four days ago, so I'm not saying I'm cool. All right, so there there is. There is exactly one moment of voiceover in this movie. Exactly one moment. And it is some weird female voice who comes in and says, as the screen fades to black before he goes into the portal house. I mean, the first portal house before he has to go to the the dingus pig or the hung fat noodle or whatever for the other portals in New York. They can never go back to this other famous portal house. Um, One woman says... The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, that's the opening sentence of the first book, isn't it? Yeah, but that happens in the middle of this movie. There's just one bit of voiceover, and it's that. And that yeah. is the key part of understanding how uh, the structure of these books work as far as Stephen King's story structure is concerned, is that... This is basically about a dude following another dude across the desert, and it's it's all all of that entails. So Kelly Wan's joke about him, you know, the kid stumbling up the hill and after three minutes and drinking the water, it, that doesn't even look like a desert for one thing. But it's it's guys walking across the desert and this slow, slow, slow chase. I mean. The point of these books, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the earlier part is, the long, drawn-out, slow-walking chase, like a Lawrence of Arabia kind of, we're just going to have to stumble across the desert kind of a chase. And the thirst and the hunger and the pain that that ensues from that and all of the things that develop out of that when you deal with crossing worlds. Because I think one of the things that Stephen King's, King is accidentally doing is, I don't know, kind of trying to make his own, his own talisman. You know, he, maybe he wasn't ever completely the happy one. with, yeah, he wasn't completely happy with having to do the talisman with Peter Straub and having to cross worlds. So he tried to do his own. And there's a lot of just there's a lot of hobbit walking. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why it's called Midworld. <laughs> it, there's a lot of walking and walking and walking, and and there's a lot of mental philosophy. And I think that at base, it's if you want to make this right, then you know, I think you have to make it into a miniseries. And if you're not going to do that, then don't bother because I think Stephen King, in this regard, is just far too cerebral in some weird puerile sense uh, for cinema often. I mean, it's it's like that thing that I said about signs, that it, it might sound all very well and good to swing away at glasses of water, but when you actually watch it on screen, it looks dumb. 
And I think most of this movie, when you know, when that kid is running around in a uh, in a uh, an amusement park away from this weird creature, it might sound very well and good when you're structuring it as a as a novel, but it doesn't work when you actually have to look at it. So either it should have been longer or nothing. I vote nothing. I mean, there's not even any suggestion in the movie that McConaughey is running from him across worlds. Like he just seems to I go wherever he was wants. looking for him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like a pursuit by no. the. No, it's the opposite, and yeah. and I think they totally get that wrong. And I don't know that I don't remember the portals either. The portals seem like a construction from this but i don't remember the books well enough to know if they're portals and the kids power the tower is that from the books i don't know and i don't know if shine is a thing that they're just porting in this is just an akiva goldsman who i can't stand if the shine's not in the things. books of the dark i don't tower? i don't remember you i don't, don't remember, remember it. it just seems like the shine is something that's directly from the shining i mean that's what well, he's yeah. got the shine on him right i mean and he doesn't use it very well either I'm assuming, yeah, I, I, I just assumed that that was something that Stephen King did in the books, is that he wanted to yeah. tie things together. I even was wondering, oh, so the Overlook Hotel was a house demon? Like, I even was wondering if that yeah, was what we were suggesting as well. Yeah, but you know what? I remember reading the sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep, which is terrible. Oh, that's and what I'm thinking of. I knew that he'd played more with The Shining. I forgot about that. Right, right. There's a sequel. And then there's some reference in there, I think, to Dark Tower. Or someone said, you know, there's a Dark Tower Easter egg, which I wouldn't have gotten because I didn't read them. But I went, oh, really? Okay. All right. Asimov tying in Foundation, robots, and fucking everything. So it's all part of one inconsistent but large ungainly non-story so uh, Chris Markinson is the only person who wrote in this week Um, and to get us away from this I'm going to say what he said Uh, Chris Markinson says "Um, I know Tom is of the opinion that the source material doesn't matter but I can't let this one go I mean in this movie Roland isn't even going after the dark tower ugh Wait, so, Roland wants to get the what? Oh, go ahead. Roland isn't even isn't even going after the Dark Tower, but he's supposed to. Like that's part of what this character right. is supposed to be doing. Right. Okay. So, I didn't even know what the Dark Tower was, by the way. Like, why is there a Dark Tower that's holding the universe together? Who made it? it? Who made it? Yeah. What do do you go there? Like, what? Yeah. What's inside of it? That's a big deal. Uh, is it watching for something? Well, yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't understand why there was dark. Why is it dark? Yeah. Why is it dark, and why did why do they say uh, darkness and fire, and why why can't they understand how? Uh, I don't understand any of the writing in this movie, so I don't know if we want to just run away from the source material at this point and it's not hard bother to, with it because it's such a victim of it or something. But it's also just this known thing that Stephen King books don't translate to movies well. Well, fourteen oh eight apparently does because you know. Fourteen oh eight. That's the thing. Okay, I like twenty million dollars opening weekend. Yeah, go ahead. It, it's good at for a while. It's just the story is way better because it's really short and it's just like a guy trying. It's like a guy in a room for an hour, and then in the story or in the movie they just pad it out and. Um, so like Lawnmower Man, because that's a short story. Did. 
<laughs> right. And Lawnmower Man, the story, I don't know if you remember or did you read it? It's about a guy. It's not about. Oh, no. Cats. Yeah. There's no cyber. Co- no, I know. Yeah. It's just it's some weird completely- guy who eats grass that eats right. the guy. Right. Yeah. And then they go, hey, let's make let's license this. <laughs> Think about computers. Yeah. It's 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 the perfect title for a computer movie. Well, that's no so I I believe fans of the story. Uh-huh. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't this a troubled project that was at yeah, times sort of TV, going TV. back and going back and forth between we're doing a miniseries, no, we don't have that. Okay, we're going to try to do it as a TV sh- as a, as a movie. Okay, maybe it's we're going to get the miniseries hell. going. Like it was, yeah, like a production that that just really didn't quite know what direction it was going in at various times at various stages, and it ended up. Being this, which is kind of the worst of all worlds, I guess. Oh, I didn't know that was the case. Because this feels like a, a TV show that wants to be a TV show. You know, you say that, Dingus, but I just still don't – even hearing you describe it, I mean that sounds like something that a book could do. But the movie you're describing sounds like that Gus Van Sant thing called Jerry, which is Matt Damon. Uh, and Casey like, people wandering through the desert, that's not cinematic. I don't want a miniseries of that. Uh, I mean, I, you know, miniseries has been made of, of – <laughs> Padding is in is part of TV. It's just part of what you do with a TV series. So you you expect a certain degree of that. But I I just can't imagine why this. I, I mean, I could imagine this being a decent movie. I could imagine someone saying, "Okay, there's this crazy story about this mysterious man in black, and there's the center of the universe, and he's trying to tear it down, and there's a disaffected soldier, and a child wins him over to to help save the world, or whatever." The child tags along. Uh, I mean, but there were just so many different elements here, most of which I feel should have been cut. Like Kelly Wan yeah, mentioned, that's good. Yeah, Kelly Wan mentioned focus before. Like if they just stuck with this idea of Roland in the modern world, or of going to different worlds and had like Tarsim, this kind of Tarsim crazy style, ah. these different worlds they go through, uh, or just done. You know, I mean, parts of this I'm thinking, well, yeah, this is this is just Chronicles of Narnia nonsense. You know, we've got mm-hmm. the mystical door. Uh, it's Wizard of Oz. Like what? I could see this working if it didn't try to do so much. Uh, and I didn't I didn't mi- I mean the movie is terrible so it doesn't work, but I didn't mind this idea of Matthew McConaughey as a sort of a a, a, a wigged out laid back sorcerer. Like I kind of thought that was weird with with Abby Lee and Fran Kranz is working for him and he's got like a library and there's a computer out in the front room. Like some of that was kind of like, okay, where are you going with this? That's it's mildly fascinating. Let's see what's up with that. Uh, I mean, Matthew McConaughey's just so weird anyway uh, that that stuff I could see working. Um, he's just so unremittingly glib in this. I mean, it just gets well, so tired. what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least, I mean, that's more than what uh, Idris Elba was doing. Like, I don't think right. Idris Elba had any idea what to do or how to act. Yeah. Uh, his performance was just his accent, like, period. But – McConaughey, yeah, like there's an adjective there. It was glib. Yeah, that, that was something. Yeah, and that was kind of funny, like saying "don't breathe, kill each other." Like that was glib and silly. And I got this sense that he's just a super—he's a sorcerer. He's a Superman who doesn't care what he does, uh, and he's all powerful, and nothing can stop him. And you know, he's gotten accustomed to it. And he doesn't really have much drive to do anything. He just wants to find whatever magical kid brings down the tower. Uh, so I. As far as the movie being terrible, that was one of the least terrible things for me is watching Matthew McConaughey goof around uh, and thinking, you know, like imagining, okay, he, you know, this is 
This is the destination story for his Magic Mike character, maybe. Uh, th- this is this is mm-hmm. what became. Uh, this is the. I mean, just this in McConaughey's body of work. Here he is playing an all-powerful, laid-back sorcerer, and that I kind of found amusing. Yeah, I just found that so, I, I found that so annoying after a certain amount of time. Like, is there no other layer than glib to this? I mean, is that all you're going to do? Is that all you're going to do? That's it. But even, but it, it's like, like I tell, like that's something as opposed to let's make a movie about a bunch of different worlds and it's then not show something. None of them. It's one thing. That's one thing that versus he's doing. nothing. All he's doing is it's that. Still what? It's one thing. and oh. Yeah. He's just like I'm going to rock with my hands behind my back and say, uh, "Don't breathe." I mean, he's There's he's nothing better it, in the movie. I got so bored with him. Well, name, what, name one thing better in the movie. I mean, that's what Kelly and I are saying, is that the movie was so terrible that that was the only I was thing. the most awake when he was on screen. Same and, and the rest of the time I was going, ugh. All right. Well, I, I don't know that I, I, like, I like Idris Elba fine, but I don't think he's given enough to do. He's just he – I don't know anything about his He seems his bored as well. I guess I got more annoyed with Matthew McConaughey because I think he had more to do that he could have done. He, he, could have been more, he could have been a more of an interesting villain. Instead, it's just like, oh, okay, here, all right, now I'm going to do this. And look, I've got some fire in my hand. I mean, it's just, the service of what? Like, what's he try to do? What's why should we hate so him? So he he just the, gets to get up too. I mean, he has he has his his part is more well written than anybody else's. Who, uh, McConaughey? Yeah, he has more stuff that he could do. That's what it's just like. Breathe, oh. don't breathe. All right. Okay, let me look at this. Well, yeah, I mean, he uses the don't breathe twice, so I would have liked to have seen a little more ingenuity. I agree. The shame oh. was pretty in- ingenious. He, he makes her die of shame. That's kind of rude. It does it is that she dies of it? Well, she kills. Doesn't she immolate herself? Like that was the, that was the sense that I got is that he just told her to be ashamed, and so she was ashamed until she killed herself. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm right, assuming well, that's just, it's a that's self happens off screen, but he says this, he does the same glib thing that he's doing the whole movie. I mean, the thing is, I would never have guessed from this movie. It never would have occurred to me that Idris Elba is a good actor. And even movies where I don't like uh, him, like in, in, in Pacific Rim, he's still – he's a regal presence. I mean, and, and you can't take that away from him. I mean, he's he's got that in spades, and it's just – him as the commander in, in 28 Weeks Later, like he's just such a commanding presence, and there was no sign of that here. There was, however, sign of the fact that Matthew McConaughey is a weirdo. That I got. Like that I knew. That I would – I would that would be a takeaway from this movie, but I would come away from this movie thinking, oh, this Idris Elba guy, he's some local hire like uh, like Claudia Kim, the cute Asian chick or uh, Catherine Winnick, who played the mother, whoever played the stepdad. I just would have lumped him in with all the I didn't even, this even even the little kid. like He was completely nondescript. Idris mm-hmm. Elba, I just would have assumed, yeah, OK, he's just some nobody actor and this is a job he's got. And, you know, there's. He's probably grateful for it, and I'll never see him in anything else, and he's you know, he, he's not the kind of a- actor to look out for. Never would have occurred to me to think that this guy's brilliant, that he can do accents, that, that he's got that presence, that he's so regal. Uh, yeah, you guys have trained me because I'm usually focused on the writing and hating it. And so if there's something good – if there's some good acting, you guys have taught me to like, oh, well, it's got that, and it won't – I can let it distract me. And in this, I was so starved – 
the movie felt so much longer than it was because it was like, this yeah, is yeah. no fun. None of this is fun. It's so like he sees his dad's ghost and like I know exactly the next ten things are going to happen in the exact order they're going to happen. Okay, and so the dialogue almost beat for beat. Here's where the movie tricked me. I totally got tricked. Good job, movie. So early on, you find out, oh, his dad died. And he's seeing the picture of his dad. And I look at that picture and I'm like, well, that's no one famous. So there's not going to be a dead dad appearance. Nope, I was wrong. There was a dead dad appearance. I was sure that if his dad was going to appear to him, they would have gotten a character actor, you know, someone I've maybe seen before. So when I saw the picture, I was like, nope, his dad is not going to appear to him. That will not happen in this movie. So you were tricked in a bad way. I was tricked several ways, but that was one of the ways. I, was, I you know, I didn't expect he was going to kick the bully's ass. I was like, "Oh, you got me, movie." I just thought he was yeah, going like to get beat up. <laughs> so I got just tricked a few punch. times. Uh, and I, he gets the blame exclusively. Yeah. No, I love how the the way that what happens is he kicks the bully's ass, and they say, "Okay, now you have to go home." Yeah. Going home. I know. And then like that's punishment. And then the people from the clinic, the people from the clinic are coming because the people from the clinic called the school. Th- this mom is the dumbest mom in the history of. I moms. know. I know. The people from the clinic are coming. Coming. He doesn't go. That the kid sucks too because he goes, dude. Look at their skin. Just look at the skin. And if I I said that before, like, couldn't he use the shine on his mom before that, where she'd go well? Because like in The Shining, the whole thing is Wendy goes, yeah, Danny does. D- there is something weird about Danny. She takes him to a psychologist. The psychologist is like, yeah, that's what's going on. And she doesn't believe in it. The, the psychologist yeah. doesn't believe in it. When he's like, yeah, but you don't, you haven't seen what he does. <laughs> he does, he knows where shit is. Like it happens all the time. There's something up with the kid. And in this kid, she doesn't, I don't know. No, it's, it's just ever. Thank you. these people it's, are about to kidnap her kid. And the guy parkours up to the roof. And her, her response is, Escape? That's, that's all she does? Well, she's supposed to be in I mean, the thrall is, of the stepfather. Uh, fuck she's that. Like she's, a... she's just a stupid character, poorly written. But I did like, I mean, and I agree with Chris Parkinson on this, because, you know, he says, if there's anything that worked for him in this movie, it was Jake's mom. He didn't mind her. That's as, that's as strong uh... as he gets. I didn't mind her. And I liked, I liked Catherine Weddick. I think, I think she was fine. The thankless um, But it's just... It's not just thankless. It's 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 downright damning because she doesn't get to act like a mother would act. I mean, if if these people are chasing your kid out of your apartment and she doesn't chase them, she just sits or around in her apartment with her stepdad and then and then goes, "Okay, we put it in APB." I mean, is, this is so poorly written. It is unbelievably poorly written. Yeah. And the whole movie's like that. Like they go to a hospital and they treat the gunslinger for radiation poisoning, and he has a kidnapped kid with him. Was was it he reported his kid? Like how long has he been gone? I know the mom probably didn't do the call the cops or anything, but no one. Never mind. Why am I even thinking about it? I don't know. That was probably several books ago, anyway. So over over multiple books, people forget when a kid is kidnapped. Probably how that works. Actually, I think. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys like guy, Abby Lee? I always like Abby Lee. I mean, she doesn't have to act. Just sure. I mean, that, so am I correct that he comes into his like lair and there's a rat person not wearing a face, and he says, "Go get a face." Is that Abby Lee? Like that's the thing that comes back wearing Abby Lee's face. Is that correct, or did I just no, make that up? That's, 
That's all right. Some rat. That's Rat Boy. I mean, he's like, right. you know, you're in my house. Go get your. He's face. in the books. I don't know. It's just oh. what happens here. Abby Lee, and this is what this is another thing Chris says. You know, um, they do nothing with her except to have McConaughey make a comment about her choosing a beautiful skin and then having him punish her because he's angry. It's not much of a punishment. It's basically just like a red blemish. Yeah, like you, could, you could cover that up with makeup. Yeah. Dingus, spoil something from the books to make me and Tom want to read them. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So my favorite part of the books is this awesome training sequence. It's a, this incredible training sequence. And this is one of the things. And I understand what you're saying, Tom, about I don't want to watch uh, a bunch of people walking across the desert. I totally understand that. But there are these great training sequences um, where where the kid who is learning to become a gunslinger, because they have to be trained and they have to be beaten and beaten and beaten and then trained. And and there's this guy, I I can't remember his name. It's like called the sergeant or something who's training these kids and he trains them by beating them. But he looks like this big fat dude. But I remember Stephen King's description as his stomach being huge, but of sprung, but of sprung steel. Like you you could not beat at it. Uh, So the guy's fat, but his fat is like steel. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like Stephen magic. King. You're such a tool. That makes no sense. Get it? But, <sighs> but the kids can choose any weapon that they want, right? For this training, uh, for for their final for their final uh, test, they can choose any weapon to go up against him. And so, what the kid chooses is that he's trained this falcon or hawk. I can't remember what it is to be his weapon. And it's, it's what? Yeah. Really? Instead of instead of choosing an actual weapon, he picked a bird. He picked a, he picked a bird of prey, and the bird of and he Take trains the guns. bird of prey to go after because their final test is to go after this, go after their their guy who's who is who is training them, and so he trains this hawk or falcon or whatever it is to be his weapon, and he trains that hawk to attack this guy and like takes his eye out or something. And so the guy's like, ah, all right. Nice. Full. Right. Yeah. So didn't see the it, bird it, coming. It's, it's this great final training sequence where he surprises the guy by calling the hawk to attack him. And that's the weapon that he uses. And I love, I love the mental image of that, of him What's are you going to choose a gun? Are you going to choose a sword? Are you going to choose a whip? What are you going to choose? I'm choosing that hawk. He takes this, the dirt takes the trainer guy's eye out. Yeah, and the trainer guy says, "Nice job, like good work." Well, the trainer guy has to admit, "All right, you bested me, and I didn't expect you to do that." I mean, that's what I remember from it. I remember that that hawk being the weapon that the kid chooses, and that's why he. That that's why he bests his trainer, and that's why he gets to uh, proceed to the next level. And that's the those are the little things that this movie tries to get the mythology of this world because there's this whole mythology of you're not a gunslinger anymore because of this. You these are the gunslingers, and we can't do it is against the law not to follow the the, the request of a gunslinger. Um, 
there's this whole mythology that goes on that I think um, a miniseries could have built upon. Uh, there, there's a mythology here in this world, and this movie just tries to reach at it. It paws at it. <laughs> it doesn't grasp it. Well, I, I just pluck you know, the I, eye. Some of the mythology stuff I just think is a terrible fit for cinema, and I can't even imagine it working in print. But that gunslinger creed, that was that made no sense. Like I don't know if there was some context that was missing there, but this whole idea about I don't shoot with my hand, I shoot with my heart. I mean that one I guess I kind of worked, but that I don't aim with my hand, I aim. What what my was mind. that? My mind. Yeah, what that just that sounded ridiculous. How do you how do you write that down and not realize? Okay, this is gonna sound dumb when someone says it out loud. Uh, <laughs> Does the sergeant say it after the bird ignores his steel belly? <laughs> sprung steel. So does, he's describing fat as if it's steel. Sprung. I, I, so I don't remember if I'm if I'm saying it right, but I know his 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 stomach was a sprung steel i, I no, just I, remember those words that sounds exactly like something that stephen king would write dingus right yeah <laughs> i remember in the running man at the beginning he sees a bunch of the naked contestants standing in line he says their dicks look like dangling war clubs i don't what <sighs> dangling war clubs yeah because everybody knows everybody's got to frame a reference for a dangling war club no, a dick does not look like a dangling war club. But it's the future. <laughs> future dicks look like dangling war clubs. All yeah. right. Or maybe future war clubs look more like dicks. And they're All game right. show contestants. Oh, King, you're such a tool. What? Get it? <laughs> I actually don't get it. Why were you saying that? Oh, oh, I see. Like a dick is a tool. Right. Okay. Okay. Now I get it, Kelly Wand. Uh, <laughs> speaking of steel. So it turns out Dennis Haysbert is descended from King Arthur. Huh. <sighs> oh, Ossie Davis. And the guns are oh, made yeah, from Excalibur. Excalibur. It's huh, like Halloween that's... 3, Stonehenge and Silver See, Sand. you say it's like Halloween 3, but Kelly Wand, I'm thinking it's like Transformers, Transformers. last night. Mm. Yeah. This is yeah, what's oh, really well done, Tom. Yeah. Mm. The real legacy of King Arthur is, yeah, they took the sword, they made, a, they made guns out of it. You Those get guns, by the way, blockbusters. You're welcome. I loved watching that kid shoot that gun. A gun like that—that that was like a big old Colt Walker or something. That was a—that was a hand cannon, and that little noodle-armed kid shooting it with no kickback whatsoever. I'm like, no. I mean, I'm no gun nerd or anything, but I know a gun like that. That kid is going to knock that kid on his ass. There's no way. Oh, Although maybe it, because it was made pop- from. It may be because being made from Excalibur means it has less kick, though. So. Uh, very good. Do you think also Popeye's that he dick? can just saunter into a uh, into a gun store and go forty five caliber? As if that's true across all worlds. I mean, oh, it's right. of, they have the same measurements. I actually yeah. wondered. I mean, I thought weren't. I mean, maybe I'm. Wasn't wasn't there like a different timeline on Earth or something? Like, wasn't there a future Earth that was destroyed that we were on? Or did I just make that up? It's no? an alternate future Earth that was destroyed. Right, because there's like, like different Jurassic Earth world. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's descended from King Arthur, but he does say, "Do you have guns on your?" Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But so this. Yeah, roller coasters, but not guns. But these are these bullets. are other versions of Earth, right? Wait, his bullets are from Excalibur. That's from our world. Right, right, right. Bullets. Exactly. So that's what I'm thinking. Is that so? Is this some future ruined Earth? 
Yeah, uh, those bullets are rare. In answer to your other question, Gunslinger. Remember, because he was like, bullets rare here? And he goes, you'll love Earth. But they're not all made from Excalibur. But that'd be cool. Who no, would- his gun. His guns are made from Excalibur, not the bullets. Yeah, that's a, that would be. A, there would be very few. Yeah, you'd have to go back and get the bullets after you shot them at someone. You'd have to be like, "Can I get my bullet back out of your wound there?" <laughs> yeah, okay, you had to pull it out of a rock every time. What do you do? Oh, with that's, the like, uh, that's like uh, uh, the the line in Green Room about keep your shots close, gentlemen, because you're gonna have to dig the bullets out. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the Dark Tower is made out of the stone that Excalibur was in. That's not true. Yeah, and you got to pull it out. Hey, um, do you think Popeye's dick is like one of his arms? One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, feet apart, not free, getting down with three feet, everybody loves me. So the Dark Tower by Stephen King. Hey, uh, one of the producers, Ron Howard. So you get a little sense yeah. of what to Uh-oh. expect with the new Han Solo movie. Yeah. I already had a lot of idea what to expect. It's going to be like Cocoon 2. Well, it is now. We don't have Phil, Chris Lord, no, Chris Miller, Chris Lord and Phil Miller doing it. So, yeah. All right. He'll be like a Gutenberg on Solo. <sighs> well, it's got to be better than uh, Dark Tower, right? How many movies could possibly be worse than Dark Tower? I mean, how many Star Wars movies are there? No, come on, it's all—it's all, it's all <laughs> going to be—it's—it's it's uphill from here, right? All the movies for the rest of the year are going to be better than this, right? Uh, January is not this year, so yes. Okay, good. <laughs> but if this I, was August. Yeah, if I, well, you know, it's that—it's the—it's sort of the dregs of the summer blockbusters. Like they That's had a little. They have more confidence than a January release, but not right. enough confidence for an early summer release. But some of them you have breakouts because they're usually the weirder blockbusters. Like, we don't know about this going up against Transformers. Right. Right. Put it in August. Yeah. It's got lots well, of CG in it. It did open number one, so they, they kind of knew what they were doing. Against against Spider-Man? Against. No, let's see. What was it against? I think it had its own weekend. Or Maybe like a... I think there was a kids thing, like a nut job movie or something. Emoji movie. Yeah, I bet that's no, no, because that opened number one. I'm pretty sure. The emoji movie would have beat it. Yeah, I don't know. At any rate, we never have to see it again. We're done. Uh, we made we did it. it. Yeah, you're welcome, slaves. Let's do a three by three now, Callie Wand. What is this? Uh, three best people on fire in movies. All right. Anything off the table? No, everything's. Legal. I hear an angry silence from my podcasting colleagues. Not for me. What are you talking about? This is a great one. Wait, oh, what was what was the silence. what was it again? Three best people on fire. People on fire. Excellent. What do you? What, did I even say it wrong? No, no. You know, I'm just I'm just making sure. Oh, are you well, think we're gonna pull a fast one? You're starting us off, Dingus. So what do you got? Yeah. All right, so my first quote is, um, what are you, a fag? Uh, is it Usual Suspects? Oh, no, that's Oswald was a fag. It's Reservoir Dogs. Right. Who's on fire yeah. on Reservoir Dogs? It's not. It's Lethal Weapon, um, and it's uh, when they're outside of, I think it's, uh, I think it's Dixie's uh, house, and her house blows up when uh, Riggs and Murtaugh are going to question her um oh yeah it's a good one 
her house blows up and um rigs uh, his uh his jacket catches on fire and Murtaugh jumps on top of him to uh, to get the fire out real quick because you know when something blows up other things catch on fire and then what the awful moment is where Rig says, what are you, a fag? Because he's jumping on top of him to put the fire out, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> you used to be able to say stuff like that in movies. Yeah, you can't, you can't really do <laughs> that. And you shouldn't have been able to do that then, but they're cops. Yeah. I thought so you were talking you, about where the woman's on a diving board, one of their partners. Oh, blows up. Does she and, catch and, fire or just blow up? She just blows up. So I didn't oh, I thought she people caught just fire too as she dove, and it was kind of an awesome way to die. No, because the diving board exploded. I mean, I, I didn't choose things where people were just being exploded. I chose things That's where next have, week. have okay. things that are on fire on them. And plus, Kelly Wand, if someone catches on fire while they're in the act of jumping in water, that's that's your fire's not going to do as much damage. Like, catch them on fire when they're not like right about to fall into water. Right. So mm-hmm. she's not going to, it's not immolation there. It's more, uh, it's, it's a good news, bad news. Having her, all of her organs <laughs> exploded. Cups half empty, Tom. The bad news is you're on fire. The good, the good news, news is, is you're a second away from being fully immersed in a swimming pool. It could be <laughs> worse. It could be worse. Yolo. All right. Well, my third favorite person on fire, I think this one's okay, right? I don't ever think you ever see Edward Woodward on fire, but you see him Edward in. Woodward. Oh, that's a good one. But you see him in the Wicker Man while the Wicker Man is burning. There's an understanding he's about to be very on fire, uh, and what he's yelling is he's like crying out to God, uh, and it's it's sort of the the pinnacle of the point of Wicker Man, which is about this weird pagan community and this Church of England upstanding British Christian guy who represents the law. Uh, and Wicker Man is a horror movie about this clash between them and how the clash consumes literally in fire uh, the, the policeman who represents England and, and, and religion and law uh, and how he's calling out to God as, as he's being burned. Uh, and I just remember how freaky that is, too, that he's – it's not something simple like he's burned at a stake like a witch. He's closed up in this weird wooden burning man. Uh, and then it slowly catches fire. It's like a cage that he gets burned inside of. He's sort of fighting a missing kid, so he really doesn't have it coming. Yeah, right, exactly. He's he not, doesn't deserve this. Right, exactly. Well, the bad guy, I mean, the, and I think that's what's clear in the, like, in the movie, the, the monsters are the weird people on this island. Like, they're the bad guys. Christopher mm-hmm. Lee prancing around in a wig. They're the bad guys. They're the weird ones. Uh, yeah. So, uh, there, there you go. Even though you don't see him on fire, this is okay, right? It doesn't have to be like a stunt man engulfed in flame, right, Kelly Wan? So which uh, which one is this? Oh, the Nicolas Cage one. Okay. The, the, the definitive Neil LeBute Wicker Man. <laughs> Actually, that I would that would be. I don't recall. I mean, it's so funny where he gets the bees dumped on him that I don't actually yeah. recall him actually burning. He thinks that's uh, the dumbest thing that's going to happen to him in the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's in a movie called Bees. Do they? They don't put bees on Edward Woodward, do they? That's not in the original Wicker Man. No. Yeah, yeah. Neil Labute was trying to make some points. Ah. Sexes. Okay. With bees. Although it would have been funny if they put the bees in the Wicker Man, and then it's another good news, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the good news? 
It's killing the bees. <laughs> <laughs> and it's making the bee stings hurt less because you're burning. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Yeah, there's a bunch so, of bees in here. They're going to sting you, but they'll be burned to death very shortly. The good shortly. news is your bee stings uh, won't feel them. quickly. Yeah, you won't feel them. And if you're allergic, it's not an issue. <laughs> the other issue is you're burning to death. Kelly Wan, you should be an assassin. I should be a doctor who tells <laughs> patients good news, bad news, like in a or a war medic. Good news, we saved your leg. Bad news, your head got blown off. <laughs> who am I telling that to? Just decapitated. All right, that's funny stuff, Kelly. Thank you for that. Let's well, get Kelly, back to bees. give us your third favorite person stung by bees. Tom Wickerman is the ultimate tin star versus silver pentacle. Um, pentacle. Uh, Wait, what? Because it's like law to... versus uh, druids. Tin like, star. Why are the why is the druids pentacle silver? Because cops have stars. Right, and there's a pentacle. tin. But why are you giving the druids a precious metal for their pentagram? Oh, that's true. Okay, what well, could be made out of aluminum? <laughs> Just to make it fair. All right. Stick, Kelly, one stick with the good news, bad news. Good news is my third favorite person on fire <laughs> in a motion picture is uh, Will Ferrell in the movie Old School. There's like a part where um, they're in competing against the other team, and uh, he puts on a mas- mascot suit, like a beaver or a squirrel, and he jumps through a ring of fire. <laughs> And he catches fire and starts burning in it. And it's just part of a montage of a bunch of contests. This was just like, this was how this one went, like in the same day. Like some of them are just like, they have to like move banners around. And uh, I remember as he catches fire, he's like totally getting incinerated. You hear him in the suit go, oh, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's, that's the level of upset he is at. Right, right. Oh, this is uh, embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> I think it's great. There's a good one in Billy Madison too, where um. It's well, wait, what? Well, uh, uh, Kelly, one. It's one at a time. Save it for the runners-up. Somebody might have picked. That might be my number one. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. But go ahead, and since you've explained it, go ahead and tell. The well, list. just it's so similar because it's another montage of two people at the end of a movie, right? And then. It's a cooking contest, and the, <laughs> the other guy, the bad guy, is taking a dish out of the oven and catches fire, and then Billy Madison laughs at him while he burns. Fire can be funny. Yeah. And then there's like an essay question after that. Yeah, it is because they don't because the next scene they're fine. So you go, oh, it was just a, one of those things. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Which you know, some fires burn at a low funny. temperature, so. <laughs> There's a good one in Wet Hot, too, Tom. Oh, wait, wait. Save sure. that, yeah. Oh, I love no, no, Wet Hot American good. Summer. I, they, you know, ten years later. It's, they, they came together a Wet Hot American Summer. They're both such great comedies. I don't know yeah. which is better. Yeah. Let's, uh, tell me about it, Tom. <laughs> Say that again, Kelly Wand. Dingus, we could do that all night, me and Kelly Wand back and forth. It would be hilarious if we just said those two lines back and forth to each other for the next few hours. But rather than do that, let's hear your second favorite person on fire. All right. Uh, If I were to give you guys the character named Freddie Lowndes, what would you think? Oh, I know that. Dag nabbit. Sounds like a Stephen Miami kid. Oh, is it? Oh, gosh. Did I recognize a Stephen King reference? Oh, that's Teddy. Never mind. 
Fred Krueger, he's on fire. Wait, real quick, is Teddy Lounge really the, someone in Stand By Me? <laughs> no, Dingus. Teddy. No. All right, I thought Kelly Wan was on something. Uh, Dingus, Teddy I feel Lounge. like it's, it's something I've seen. I don't know it. It's Gary Connors, God. <laughs> it didn't say nice. Are you done now? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. You don't talk like that. You've never said the word nice. Please continue. Second best man on fire. Or woman. His name's Teddy Duchamp, by the way. Just so you know. Wait, who's get wait, who is? And his guy, rank is seaman. The guy Kelly's talking about. I'm just saying it's Teddy Duchamp. Ray Feldman and stand by me is Teddy Duchamp, not oh, uh, Andy Roland Duplain and Dark Tower. He's part of the same. Freddie Lounge is the journalist in Manhunter. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. No. Wait, no? Oh, shoot. God, that's Freddy from... <laughs> that's Wait, Red Dragon. Freddy. No, right, it's from right. that's uh, what I just talented said. Mr. Ripley. That Freddy's so folks you were... Is it happening? Is it William Atherton? <laughs> no, that's uh, the Jonesy guy from Dreamcatcher who looks yeah. like William Atherton with red hair. His beard. Same character. I'm choosing the Manhunter version instead of the Red Dragon version. Uh, that Tom just mentioned, the the Manhunter version was played by Stephen Lang. It's not Dragonfire. Oh, the uh, villain from all the uh, Avatar movies coming up, Dingus. From Avatar and who wants to play Cable in uh, upcoming Marvel movies. And, and uh, Bob, Bob. the blind guy in Don't Breathe, who has oh. a, a woman locked up in his basement who's he's impregnating. How mm. gross is that? Stephen Lang, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. But did he, he, did she mishear what McConaughey said too when he said the movie title? <laughs> Don't breathe. <laughs> okay, I'll have a kid. I realized he was virally marketing that horror movie. <laughs> it's all part of the Dark Tower mythos, Tom. Every movie. I had no idea until I looked it up again this week that Stephen Lang played uh, uh, Freddie Lowndes in the original Manhunter. Um, so wait, he's the we, guy that doesn't Philip Seymour Hoffman play him in one of those movies? Yeah, he plays him in Red Dragon. Right, and they get put in a wheelchair, set on fire, and rolled down an incline, right? Right, right. Right, okay. Stephen Lang got burned up in a wheelchair. Interesting. Yeah, that's it- another good news, bad news. <laughs> What's the good news? <laughs> you can walk. <laughs> but I guess the good news is you don't have to walk, is you can just sit back and let the chair yeah, kick. Yeah, relaxer. You don't have to walk anyway, right? You can just yeah. kick back and burn. Right? You get a good lip- his lips bitten, bitten off, so he can't do much about Wait, what? Cool is... It is lips bitten off. Yeah, because uh, Francis Dollaride bites his lips off. Ew, why? Uh, because basically, uh, Freddie Lowndes is a tabloid reporter that uh, goes into um, Will Graham's uh, hospital room and takes pictures of him when he's uh, 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 unable to protect himself. <laughs> and um, later on, Will Graham basically use him, uses him as bait for Francis Dollaride. The good news uh, is your uh, cold sores are solved. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good news. <laughs> as long as it's only simplex one. Um, solved is the wrong word. But. So then uh, Francis Dollaride sends him back down to the F- FBI in a flaming wheelchair. I, uh, I, just is, love I just love the mental image of that because in the in the movie Manhunter, I think it, it the wheelchair comes 
rolling down and it's this old wooden wheelchair that is Francis Dollaride's grandmother's wheelchair or his mother's wheelchair, something like that, that he, 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 uh, tapes or, uh, secures, uh, Freddie Lowndes to sets him on fire, dumps him out of the van and sends him down, uh, in, at least in the Manhunter movie, I think this, one of these into this, um, uh, parking garage, uh, around one of these spiral like you, you know the spiral things that go down into a into a garage and so what stairs? what you see is that no not stairs the, the um, cars the, kelly the ramp. cars don't drive yeah. on stairs the spiral ramp i couldn't think of the word ramp for some reason and so the guy run, running the booth that would normally take the money sees this wheelchair coming flaming toward him man that's oh, yeah, yeah. Make for a memorable that. shift yeah the good uh, news is the wheelchair was a rental. Are yeah, there people? Are there people in the train in that scene of War of the Worlds where the flaming train goes by all the survivors? I would like to think so. Yeah. In that case, I'm changing my number three. The good news is the train's on time. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. That's a thing. Oh, never mind. Gonna do well, you have been right? in Germany I know, ah, see <laughs> My they second favorite Person on fire um, Should I change the order of these? No, I'm going to go with as written uh, Is in, in Road Warrior the, I think they just, his name is Mechanic There's the legless guy Who oh, my favorite is, elf. Is dry, wait, Did you say your favorite elf? Yeah Legless elf? guy Oh God! Oh, we have a lot of hurry for Dark Tower podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the guy who has no legs—he's, you know what, Kelly Wand? hes a paraplegic. I hope you feel bad now for making fun uh, of him. Well, the uh, good news he, is he has his arms. Yeah, and he's a mechanic. Yeah. He needs those, and they—they they haul him around. The wheelchair from the movie I just did because Kelly Wand said this is rentable. It, well, it's on fire too. Uh, he, they haul him around on this uh, this engine pulley thing, like you would normally lift an engine out of a car. And he's the mechanic, and he fixes their cars. So when Max is going to drive the tanker away, they position this guy on top of the tanker in one of the little in, in the back in a little protected area, and he's going to be chucking Molotovs from up there. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, it seems like a bad idea. He should be on the bus with the children. Doesn't seem. I mean, I'm sure he insisted on it. So fair enough. He wants to be heroic. But it, like I mentioned before, nobody doing this whole thing where, hey, we're going to get in the tanker and distract all of Humongous's men. This isn't a good idea for any of them. They're all going to die, and they do all mm-hmm. die. So poor mechanic. What happens with him? And the part about him being on fire, it's kind of innocuous. He's throwing a Molotov cocktail. And one of them hits, and he throws a second one when he gets winged by a crossbow bolt, and he drops it in his lap, which just consists of two stubby legs. And so it breaks on his stubby legs, presumably can't feel anything, and he starts putting it out with his hands. But then his hands catch on fire, and he's not, like, screaming or freaking out. He actually looks a little sheepish. Like, he's a little embarrassed that this is happening to him because he's supposed Mm -hmm. to be in the battle. He's supposed to be throwing these Molotovs at the people besieging the truck. This is embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. And he gives a look. This is embarrassing, too. He's kind of like, oh, what are you going to do? And he gives this look to Warrior Woman, who's this super hot chick who's on the other side of the tanker. He's like, no, I got it. And, And he can't put it out though his hands are burning so she's like okay and she gets up to go help him and that's when she gets shot and her death is terrible because she gets shot she's dangling she's hooked on this barbed wire on the side of the the tanker and she's dangling 
from the tanker and another car comes up and she's still maybe a little bit alive and the other car they're trying to grab her and pull her into their car it's like what do they want with her she's wounded this is weird and gross uh Mm -hmm. so mechanic who feels bad he finally cuts open a bag of water and that puts the fire out but it's that fire that got her killed so the mechanic is is trying to He's having a tug of war over Warrior Woman's body, and they both get pulled underneath the wheels of a car. And there are a few gruesome deaths like that in Road Warrior where obviously they use a dummy or something, but where people just go under the wheels of a car or the truck, uh, and that's poor mechanic's fate. I feel bad for the little guy and and Warrior Woman. So Good news is it knocked the nail out of the tire. What nail? What are you talking about? There's no nails. Well, for the driver of the truck, like that's that was bad news here. Before. There is a scene in Road Warrior I've never understood. There's a guy in a motorcycle who pulls up alongside the truck, and there's someone I think on the back of his motorcycle, and the guy on the back does his job, and he jumps off the motorcycle onto the truck, and so the guy driving the motorcycle reaches his hand into the wheel of the truck. Mm. And- Gets pulled underneath the truck with his motorcycle. What is he reaching for? Why is he doing that? And there's a scene, too. George Miller clearly shoots the guy like he's looking at the wheel. He's going, I'm going to reach like some there's some thought process going on in his head that the audience is not privy to. But you could see him thinking and he, I think he even hears something like, oh, I think I'll reach it out for the wheel. And he reaches out and sticks his hand in the wheel and gets pulled under the truck. What was that guy thinking? Kelly Wan, what's the good news there? Uh, that the uh, it's that the gas is still okay. <laughs> There's still plenty of gas left. That you won't have to fill up the tank on that motorcycle. Yeah, you saved that money at the gas. I was just thinking, it's bad news that Batman dies at the end of Dark Knight Rises. Which doesn't. We go ahead. But it's good news that the food his ghost is eating is delicious. <laughs> wow. Boy, that that running over stuff, just, I don't know what it is about it, but it freaks me out. Well, especially, too, there's enough enough substance to the dummies that they use in Road Warrior, where it's practical effects, that um, it jiggles the truck. Like, there's enough meat there that the... That the truck or the car, in this case, that kills Warrior Woman and Mechanic, like jerks up over it. Like there, there's some heft and some verticality to what it hits. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really gruesome. See, I, that's the good news is that you made the drive. You kind of hurt the driver too. Like you gave him whiplash on your way out. <laughs> right. You'll, you gave him the what for? You jiggled yeah. him, him. He noticed him. you. Yeah. I watched uh, Maximum Overdrive this week. Right. Was- Did anyone get pulled under a truck in that? And a and a kid gets run over by something like like some sort of a, one one of the trucks in a field, and it's like soft grass and just running over a kid, and it, it, no matter what it is, it just freaks me out. That running over thing freaks me out so much. The Pet car cemetery. when it kills a hitchhiker, uh, backs up and drives over him a couple of times backwards. <sighs> and backwards. Oh gosh, remember oh. Free Fire? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. even the uh, the comical like the soldier getting run over in um, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's that moment where the soldier like gets bounced over during the truck chase. Even that, I don't know. It just has this because he convulses weird visceral reaction where I'm just like, Ugh! it drives me crazy. The idea of getting run over. It's just I don't know what it is. I have it's some good 
I have some good news for that soldier. And the good news is you're not going to fall into an airplane propeller. Right. Well, good, good Although time. that would have been faster. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is true. Okay, Kelly Wand, what is your second favorite person on fire? I can't wait to hear this. Okay, in the motion picture, Knowing with Nicolas Cage as well. Oh, this is a great one. I want to change my number one now. Knowing? Uh, really? Yeah. He I yells at me. No, this yeah, is a great you remember one. what he yells? Hey, hey, hey. Doesn't, isn't it something like yeah, that? Or, hey, yeah, stop. Yeah. 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 He reprimands, <laughs> he reprimands a running man who's on fire. <laughs> is this hey. after the plane crash? Hey. Yeah. It's the plane yeah. crash, and he stops, and then the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that plane crash because Tom's I do too. When, when the plane crash happens, he's looking the wrong way while the plane is coming down. Yeah, but I he sees this. He sees the man on fire, though. Yeah, that's a great one. So the, yeah. the director of the Crow, Alex Proyas, he's come to that. Yep. Was that in the script, though? A man, a man on fire runs by. Oh, you, you think that uh, Nicholas Cage, Cage improvised? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yell at the, the burn victim in this scene. Or he gave a monologue there, but he went, "No, I should react to the guy on fire." <laughs> I don't want to say the exposition here. It really is. It's yeah. like a lifeguard yelling at a kid who's running in the pool. I know. <laughs> it's that tone of voice. It's like yelling at Clint. While he's getting eaten by Josh. <laughs> you, you really, that's a great way to put it, Tom. Hey, walk, walk. We're walking. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's a tough hey. act to follow. Hey. What's your hey. favorite person on fire? Hey. 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 Stop that. <laughs> Instead of helping him. Um, the guy uh, should have gone, what? <laughs> <laughs> like the end of Birdie. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a great scene. <laughs> All right, Here, let me cigarette. Right, and then it just <laughs> adds four minutes. Early. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I need, can you give me light? Yeah. Speaking of that, um, so here's a quote from it: "Life, people ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual." Sounds like something from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Shame on it's from the movie Beetlejuice, and it's it. This is a minor moment of being caught on fire, but this is the first thing that I thought of when Kelly Wan brought up the topic, and I really loved it. And it's basically uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin don't quite know that they're dead yet. <laughs> They've gone back home, and they're cold. They're uh, starting a fire, and Gina Davis is warming her hands by the fire. And she pulls her fingers back, and they're on fire. <laughs> and she holds them up, and they're like these little candles that she's holding up in front of her face. And she doesn't understand why it doesn't hurt. <laughs> so it's a person on fire, but it's really just her fingers on fire, and it's when she understands that she's dead. I love, I love the movie Beetlejuice, and I, I did it for a recent one, so I've seen it recently, and. So when Kelly Wan talked about people being on fire, I thought of her fingers being on fire in Beetlejuice. The bad news is you're dead. The good news is... <laughs> the bad news is you're out of candles. Wait. Um, All right, Tom. Wait. You... All right, my favorite. first favorite thing, and it's actually not my favorite. It's just I remember it distinctly as a kid, and I remember being really freaked out by it. And I don't think this movie works, but this scene... 
it's still really freaky, but it's inadvertently funny. And I'm, it's just, I don't know what to make of it. So the fact that I'm puzzled by it, that it once freaked me out, that I look at it now and realize how inadvertently ridiculous it is. My favorite person on fire is Robert Wagner burning up in the towering inferno. So the towering inferno has, you know, it's a Derwin Allen disaster movie and there's all kinds of plot threads and there's people at different places in the building. And it's weird watching it too. Like after that, uh, was it Grenville? Where was that? There's a skyscraper in London that burned. Uh, it's, like when these things happen in the real world, it's horrifying. So it's a little weird watching the towering inferno once you realize that, yeah, things like this have happened and it's horrific being stuck in a skyscraper while it's on fire. So uh, Robert Wagner and Susan Blakely, they're having an affair and they are off in a room somewhere. Nobody knows they're there. Uh, and the, the, the tower catches on fire, becomes a towering inferno and it's burning and Robert Wagner and Susan Blakely, who's this this cute blonde girl, and Robert Wagner's a very dashing fellow. Uh, they're just about to leave when uh, I think she says, "Did you leave a cigarette burning?" And he's like, "No." And they open the door, and sure enough, there's flames out there, and they're trapped. So he goes to the phone, and the phones aren't working, and he lies to her and pretends to talk on the phone to the fire department and say, "Yeah, okay, we'll wait here till you're coming." And we cut to them later, and the smoke is coming through the door. They can't block it with towels. And he says, okay, the fire department's not coming. Uh, nobody knows we're here, uh, so I'm going to make a run for it. And he says – and I don't know what this means. I rewatched it. Maybe one of you guys can help me. He says, I used to run the 110. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that means he's fast. It's a sports thing. I don't understand it. But he is going to go out there and save them. Now, the funny thing is the movie has showed us what he's running through, and it's not just a room with a couple of little jets of flame. It's a room with the walls on fire, the furniture on fire. Uh, it's smoky. Like you wouldn't want to go out in that, but he realizes he's going to, and he's going to save her. And you're thinking at this point too, yeah, it's Robert Wagner. He's going to save uh, Susan Blakely. They're going to mm. be fine. They wouldn't dare kill these people. So he takes a wet blanket. Wrote a towel and he wets it and he puts it over his head and he goes to the door to leave. But before he leaves, he turns around to say, and I forget what the line is, but he has some last meaningful line. But unfortunately, while he says the line, he looks like a, like a babushka. He's got like a grandma thing over his head. He's got this towel over his head covering his face and he looks kind of silly and it's kind of endearing. Like there's this yeah. handsome guy, and he's wearing a babushka towel, and he's saying you know, these reassuring words to Susan Blakely. And then he goes for the run to go through the fire, and there's no way in hell anything is going to happen other than him burning up, which is exactly what happens. He runs out into the fire and just burns up, and at this point, the movie cuts – ill-advisedly, I think, to slow motion of a stuntman oh, whose head is covered. I mean, you realize that's why the towel is there, because mm. back then they would really they would wrap a stuntman in asbestos, and they would catch him on fire, so you couldn't have anybody's face or skin showing. So that's what that whole towel business is about, so the stuntman's head is covered. And there's a slow motion stuntman just running around, banging into furniture, uh, and it looks ridiculous, but it's sad. This is Robert Wagner, who was dashing, and who was going to save Susan Blakely. And he's burning up, and he falls over and dies and burns. But the movie's not done showing us how terrible this is yet because now Susan Blakely has just seen this happen, and the fire is getting in at her, 
and she can't do anything about it and is coming in through the walls and she's screaming and poor Robert Wagner has just died. So she takes a chair and busts the glass open and that's uh. not a good idea because that's just going to let oxygen in to feed the fire. So sure enough, she busts the glass open and it sucks her out of the skyscraper and she falls and there's a shot and they use miniatures to, to show the 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 burning tower, which works for the most part, even though you realize it's a miniature. But at this point, it looks like a little silly because they have – it's like when a piece of a, of a marshmallow at a campfire drips off and it's burning. And it's just yeah. a little tiny bit of flame like that falling down alongside the model. Um, but before they cut to that to show her, her flaming body plummeting down – it's, again, an ill-advised slow motion of a stuntman wrapped in asbestos, and for some reason they're imagining that Susan Blakely, as she's burning, covers her face with, a, with her hand. So the stuntman's got a big old padded glove over his face, and you clearly see this because it's in slow motion. Like there's no hiding the fact that this is somebody wrapped in asbestos clamping his hand over his face so that we don't see he's not Susan Blakely. Uh, and he's on fire, and he jumps out the window. And But there's such gruesome deaths, and it's such clumsy filmmaking, and it's such just a weird narrative choice to burn to death these poor people. Uh, so that's my, that's the, it freaked me out as a kid. It's weird going back and rewatching it. Uh, I don't know that that's my favorite, but that's my most memorable, least comfortable person on fire. And it's, it's a twofer. It's both of them. Yeah, so and he died really hard to from hear the that after – I just say what? I was going to say it's it's hard to hear Tom describe all of that. I mean, after you know, saying everything that happened in nine eleven. I mean, this is sort of what really happened. Well, and also people the, jumping out of windows because yeah. the, uh, the buildings were on fire. Well, and the, yeah, and, the fire in in London as well, and there was a big fire in yeah. Brazil like this as well. Like that's what happens when you're stuck in that situation where you're on a building that's burning and you you know the the heat drives you to want to kill yourself by jumping off rather than just stay there and burn. It's horrific. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Do you, do you really not know what one hundred in ten means? I guess he runs a hundred. hundred yard dash. Ten minutes. Yeah, it takes him ten minutes. A hundred meters in ten minutes. Yeah. It's a hundred yard dash. So yeah. that's what we all ran in in school, and he could run the hundred yard dash in ten seconds. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's 10 minutes thing is. Yeah, well. <laughs> the good news is he ran 100 feet. The bad news is it took him 10 days. God, you guys in your math. Oh. You don't there's like also, I, for, I forgot this too. There's a, there's a shot of, uh, so Paul Newman's son plays a, a fireman in this movie, and he's terrible. He's so awful. Uh, but there's a scene where the firemen break into uh, an elevator shaft. They're just trying to find their way around. And while they're looking down an elevator shaft, a silent body flaming comes drifting down, falling past them down the uh, elevator shaft. Uh, and, mm. one of the, and one of the firemen says, oh, my God, that's one of our guys. And Paul Newman's son has the line, oh, my God. And it's a horrible delivery. It's just terrible. It's like Jack Lemmon in that Kenneth Branagh Hamlet. It's like the guy has no understanding of how people would react or would talk. He just cannot say the lines, oh, my God, without sounding ridiculous. And it's why we uh, we haven't had a lot of – it's why Paul Newman's son is not a famous actor. The good news That's, is your dad's Paul Newman. Right. <laughs> the bad news is you're not Stanley Tucci in Age of Extinction. Right. In Age of what? Oh. 
extinction. Can really sell. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, my God. That's a guy who sells an oh, my God. Yes, Dingus. Yes. Yes. He should have watched that movie. Erwin Allen should have made him watch Age of Distinction to research his character. That's how you say it. Age of <laughs> Distinction. If your friend goes, that's one of our guys, then you go, oh, my God. Exactly. Yes. Over the that's top. Proper. Because Kelly Wan, you can always dial it down mm-hmm. in that's later the, takes. You see, right? No, nobody the, ever paid for under the top. That's right. <laughs> nobody ever went broke. Right. Dingus, what's the best person on fire of all time? All right. So I'm going to choose Kelly Wan's number one, and his number one choice is <laughs> number one choice. What, what kind of what kind of espionage is going on over there? I've already chosen my number one. It's Kelly's turn. Oh, right. What was your number one? That's the good news. Oh, yeah, yeah, my yeah. Num- my number one's Be- Beetlejuice. It was just fingers on fire. Right. Right. Um, my number one is in the motion picture, MacGruber. Um, at the end of the movie... Yes, that's the one. Val Kilmer is... Rocket Launch... Are you are you consulting with your cleaning woman on this one? Wow, did that just happen? Oh my god! I think we lost him. We're just gonna have to say Val Kilmer was rocket launched. Rocket launched. All right, fair enough. Uh, and I think this involves him getting peed on as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where did Which... you go? Oh. Did I drift away? We did lose you, so Val Kilmer was rocket launched. Was the last part we heard. So proceed. What happened then? Val Kilmer's rocket launched as he falls, and then uh, a guru pees on him, and then puts out the fire. So that's the good news. Um, but he's charred at the bottom, which means he was on fire as he fell. So I kind of did a tom, mixed him. Wait, why is that doing a tom? What? Well, because we had you had a topic one time it was like most horrific falls in movies, oh, oh. <laughs> and I think oh, you right. used Susan Blakely. Then. <gasps> Did I? Oh, good. Okay, well, so, so they do that, go the, together. The good news, Susan Blakely, you will feature prominently in three by threes in the future. Right. The bad news is you're on fire and you're plummeting a hundred stories to your death in San Francisco. <laughs> oh. The good news know. is you're not Paul Newman's son. <laughs> How did good news, bad news become a part of the podcast? It's part of Kelly Wad's uh, bedside manner as a physician and an assassin. The good news is I'm a doctor now, Dingus. The bad <laughs> news is the same thing. Kelly Wad, do listeners have uh, some favorite people on fire? Uh, they got really into it. I'm a little shocked. Hopefully there's That's some the anime. Good news. The good news is oh, please, a bunch oh, of listeners got excited by the topic. The bad news is I have to read them all now. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, I'm going to eat cookies while you do this. Yeah, that's cool. I don't. Let's understand. I might too. <laughs> uh, Aiden Keys writes, "Hello." Finally, I was able to come up some before the podcast aired. <laughs> what was what was the name again? Aiden Keys. Aiden Keys. Okay. Aiden Keys. Yeah. Sorry, I read these so poorly, listeners. I'm very excited. I just am. It's it's the morning, and I'm a poor reader. Aiden Keys continues, I don't know if the Nazgul count as people, but I like when Aragorn fights them off with a sword and a torch in defense of the hobbits, especially the last one he gets the torch thrown in its face. Does it catch fire from that? Do they burn? They drown. 
Uh, in Free Fire, Shalto Copley, the Aussie. Wait, they don't drown because they can't even go in the water. <laughs> they are Why people because. What do you mean they can't go in the water? They can't get. You can't get Nazgul's in the water. You can't get a Nazgul wet. That's uh, the whole thing is they won't jump over when they get when the hobbits get on the ferry boat. The Nazgul's can't get out there, and when right. uh, what's they're your like name? They're like a Shyamalan. Character. They're right, not gremlins. Exactly. And no, you can't get them wet. And when uh, Liv Tyler has the water wash them away, like that incapacitates them for a while. Like the horse water well, that's spell. What I'm yeah, that's what I'm well, talking about. That's the power of the of the river, though. But then it turns them into the, the bad news is they've drowned. The good news is for them now they have dinosaur flying dinosaurs. Where does this bad news good news thing come from? Bad news. What happened? It just crept up on me. <laughs> okay. That's what happens. The good news is it's fun, Dingus. You can do it too. The bad news is, well, no, maybe I the good news is I won't. <laughs> uh, Aiden Keys. Uh, in Free Fire, Charlotte Copley, the Aussie arms dealer, is set on fire by Michael Smiley. Oh, my God. That's, oh, that's a great, great one. one. I forgot. How could I have forgotten yeah, that? Yeah. It's just standing in plain view right in front of us. Good work, huh. Aiden Keys. You made us someone, look like buffoons. Someone posted some frames. We have a game where uh, you post frames at regular intervals from a movie, and everyone has to guess what the, the frames are for. From Someone posted Free Fire's frames, and it, it struck me just – I mean because it's all in the same place, of course – just how yeah. consistent each frame looks yeah. like as far as the palette and the tone. And I just, I just love the, the uniformity of, of Free Fire that way. Like, that, yeah. you know, and it takes filmmaking balls to do that. It's mm-hmm. just make your movie look the same. It's in one space. Uh, make it look the same way throughout. Uh, resist right. the temptation to try to be varied. It's important uh, for right. sense of place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's essential. I loved that when they posted that, that first costume of that dude is so distinctive. That was Gary. I love, yeah, I love Gary's costume, yeah. Wait, was it really Gary? Did I make that up? <laughs> no, it's Kelly's Gary. The good news is it's Gary. The bad news is it's Gary. <laughs> the good news is Dingus knew what you were talking about. The bad news is he has to say the word Gary. Which is a good the good one. news is Aiden Keys has seen Free Fire. That's Yay. true. The bad news is we look dumb for forgetting to mention that one. But the that good is, news is it's such a fertile topic, but the bad news oh, is... Okay. I'd, I'd rather appear dumb and have our listeners have some cool picks. I'm fine. Well, who's to say it wasn't on my runners-up? I'm just saying. That's Maybe I point. did think of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the good news is it's now one of mine. <laughs> Aiden Keys continues. <laughs> Isn't that good news? <laughs> Let's celebrate that. Bill Murray tries to keep his composure after finding an eyeball in his highball and seeing a waiter on fire in a restaurant in Scrooge just before the appearance of Ghost of Christmas Past. Wow. There's a waiter on fire at Scrooge. I don't remember that at all. That's not, I don't remember the eyeball. I'm so lame. I'm sorry, Aiden Keys. I don't know why I had, we have podcasts. It's terrible. Good the name Aiden, the name Aiden Keys is so Aiden cool. Aiden Keys. Yeah. You've got to be making that up. No. It's got the, it, uh, the, it's got the extra E in it. Even. Mm. But the two A's in Aiden. It's got the A-A and then the E. So he's got I as part of his last name. Thanks a lot, guys. I look forward to your podcast every week. Till now. <laughs> You're welcome. Number, th- wait, different person. <laughs> Nick D writes. <laughs> different person on fire. 
Number three. Oh, this is a great one. See, this is a good topic. Fuck you for agreeing with me that it's a good topic. Number three, Return of the King. I like when Gandalf uses his horse to knock Denethor onto a bonfire and then solemnly <laughs> says, so passes Denethor, son of Ecthelion, as though he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's a bonfire. Yeah, it's a pyre. Also, I laughed when Denethor was able to run the entire length of the hallway out into the courtyard and throw himself off the cliff all while on fire. I love that shot because then it pulls back and the battle's going on and no one even gives a shit that's going on. (laughs) Hey, look, the king's dying. Ah, Who cares? That's the good news, bad news. Yeah. That's one of the the best shots in the case. He's not the king. He's the steward. Yeah. How dare you? How dare you? It's not a bonfire. (laughs) <laughs> it's not Gary. Dingus just walks around all day seeing mistakes and everything around. <laughs> like it's it's closed tomorrow. <laughs> on a sign. I have I have Connor tattooed as a, uh, a tramp stamp. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Kelly Wand. Uh, I went to see. Dark Tower this morning. Oh, good uh, lord! Please, at, no. oh, uh, at our local theater, uh, and I left early enough to wake up to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I, well, I didn't know, and I, I uh, got up early enough to swing by and get uh, some breakfast and some coffee before I, I went to the theater. And when I pulled up to the theater, I saw Dingus's car. I was like, "Oh, I guess Dingus waited until today to see the movie as well." Yeah. So I bought my ticket, and there were. Plenty of seats left, and I even saw one little seat alone because they show you, where would you like to sit, sir? And there was a row of people who were presumably together, and then there was one little isolated seat. And I'm like, yep, Aww. that's Dingus. So I bought the seat next to it, and I went in, and sure enough, I could see it was Dingus because the trailers were playing, and some guy was leaning forward with his head between his knees like he's about to vomit, and his fingers in his ears. And I was like, yep, that's how Dingus and I act during trailers. So he had set onto this, the big old arm of the chair next to him his little diary that he uses to take notes in when he uh, when he goes this to the movie. The, this is the worst moment ever. And because his head was forward and his fingers were in his ears, I could sit in the row behind him and just reach forward and pick that diary up and take ah, it away and put right. it down. And then I watched, you know, I, I then put my head between my knees and put my fingers in my ears because I didn't want to see the Hitman's Bodyguard trailer. I didn't want to have things given away. So once that's over and the movie starts, Dingus looks over <laughs> to see where he left it's his pad. Diary. And then I, I couldn't quite tell, like, was he looking in his bag to see if it was there? But once he was actually getting out of the seat and, like, looking down, thinking it had fallen off of the seat, I was like, yep, I got him. He totally thinks that he misplaced it or that he knocked it off. This is awesome. I could have spent the whole movie watching that, but unfortunately, I think you heard me giggling at him. So oh, yeah, gave, oh. girlish giggling going on yep. behind me. Like, <laughs> I couldn't help it, just knowing that you were like, where did I put that? What happened to my diary? Where I thought I put it here. And this all stems from once when I was in divinity school and we had communal kitchens. I once got – and you get up and you go out there and you fix your breakfast and there's other people out there. And you know it's a communal kitchen. And I once went out there. And uh, I had a little coffee grinder, and I ground my coffee, and I put the grounds in the little uh, paper sleeve, and I poured the water over it. And then I got the coffee grinder, and I was looking for the lid of it, and I couldn't for the life of me, and I was still sleepy, f- figure out where the lid was or where I put it. So I'm looking around for the lid, and I'm Dingus looking – Dingus, sit behind you. It's the thing. My friend Eric later uh, 
like that he was like i was hiding this the whole time and we were just having a great time watching you with this confused look in your eyes wondering where you put that and i was like oh you jerk you ever i'm gonna i'm gonna get you back one day by doing that to someone else yeah that day was today it was only a lid (laughs) there was this kid who was like two seats over this long lanky kid who could have been the star of this movie oh do you think he stole it i i thought Maybe that uh-huh. kid's psychotic and he stole my diary. Why would or he, he knows who you are. <laughs> and then I heard the giggling behind me and I went, oh, my. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. Uh, Giggles that I know. No, I think it was a little quieter <laughs> than that. Tom, did you write fake notes in there to make it like, best movie ever, Dark Tower? <laughs> oh, I should have. Oh, my yeah. God. Well, I didn't know what we were in for at that point. And then in halfway in the pipe, like, yeah, I think it's best. Wait a minute. <laughs> Actually, that would be – I would never open, open someone's like notes or journal or diary. Like That would be a bit beyond the pale. I would certainly steal it and hide it, but I would never open it up and, and read or, or write in there. Or write. You wouldn't yeah. write. I would write in a book he's reading or something, but I wouldn't like open up like his private notes or anything. I wouldn't have done that. I'd do it. So. But then I, Tom I, came over and sat next to me, which made seeing the movie all that much better. Yeah, I was so glad seeing your, your car there this morning. It was great. All right, so where were we? Nick D's number two favorite Burning Man. Kiss Me Deadly. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, although, are they burn? Oh, yeah, of course she's burning. Yeah, that's an yeah. awesome one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. End- yeah. At the end of this run-of-the-mill detective story, the heroine opens the box that everyone's been after, and it suddenly causes her to burst into flame, which seemed totally out of the blue to me the first time I saw it. That's why it's a classic film. He's yeah, kind of right. Like yeah. say by great, same by the ending or something. I mean, now all that, all that, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark comes from that, and the Pulp, yeah, exactly. case in Pulp Fiction, or that's 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 seminal. Kelly Wand. Mm. Does Raiders count? Do they catch fire? Yeah, one of them does. Oh. Number one, let the right one in. One of Eli's victims is in the hospital and realizes Ooh. what she's become, so she asks the nurse Man. to open the wall. Damn I'm it. changing what? my number one. I totally what did I think of this. that? Yeah, Towering Inferno. <sighs> this causes her to burst into flames and sets the entire room on fire as well. Cheers, Nick. That's a great choice. Such a powerful visual, too. Even even Matt Reeves couldn't screw that one up. Uh, my least favorite Superman. <laughs> I just keep thinking of how ridiculous the cats looked jumping on her, but... That what? moment he's talking about is awesome. They're CG cats and let the right one in. Arden Sedlins writes. Wait, what? Say You're that again. Arden Sedlins. Wow. Greetings from Melbourne, Australia. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Should I not do it like that? No, no, no. No, that's, you should go. Definitely, yeah. I'm sure Arden would be proud. Yep. Arden, this is because Australian's the only accent I can do that I like. It's fun. Like, they're just kind of annoying. My favorite. <laughs> wow. Maybe it's just annoying. My three favorite people on fire as follows. Number three, Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. What? I don't know if I can do it anymore. Anchorman? <laughs> there's, there's somebody on fire in Anchorman? During the giant street brawl between various yeah. local news teams, one newscaster runs through the middle on fire, waving his arms madly. 
Ron later <laughs> remarks on this back in the office along with the man on a horse and a man being killed with a trident. <laughs> Milk was a bad choice. Uh, it's a good one. Number two, Ong Bok. Ong Bok? Ong Bok. Ong Bok. Muay Thai escaping. Right. It's not anime. It's martial arts, Tom. <laughs> you racist. After escaping his attempted murderers, it, uh, it's been racism on all sides here today, by the way. just want to say. If I can uh, bring us together. After escaping his attempted murderers at a petrol station, Tony Jaw's character proceeds to kick the shit out of them. At one point in the melee, Jaw leaps through a raging fire, lighting his lower half on fire and kneeing an enemy in the upper torso and then spin kicking him in the head. Oh, so see, he's, he's not letting it slow him down, just like Susan Blakely did. <laughs> Number one, Fright Night, 2011. In the final showdown between Charlie and Jerry the Vampire, Charlie sets himself on fire whilst wearing fire retardant clothing and grabs Jerry in a bear hug as a last ditch and ultimately successful effort to defeat his blood-sucking foe. Wow, I don't remember that, but that's a cool idea. Yeah, so that's how he beats him. Nice. Good work, Jerry. Does that happen to the old Fright Night? I mean, no, good work, Fire whoever that? the non-Jerry. I don't think so. That would be hard to do. Like, how would you how would you pull that off back then? Very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when that was on a Dixie cup? Regards, Arden Sedlins. <clears throat> Keith Leith writes, Greetings. Number three, the Hudsucker proxy. Sidney Musburger, eager to inveigle a putz in his insider trading shenanigans, angrily dismisses Norval Barnes for being mundane rather than a copper-bottomed chump, and ignites the Bumstead contract with a confiscated stogie. Almost immediately, Barnes is clumping around Musburger's office, wearing both a waste paper basket and also some fire that is in the basket. My leg is on fire, says Barnes. <laughs> Number two, return of the cake. Denethor, steward of Minas Tirith, is driven mad by the loss of his favorite son Boromir by the faithless accursed counsel he's been given while consulting the Palantir. See, they made Wormtongue a CG uh, black ball. The lost ceiling, the lost sig son of Minas Anor. <laughs> you heard me, Tom. His mind poisoned by Sauron. He assembles a pyre to immolate his second son Faramir, who he keeps unsuccessfully trying to kill. Big Den takes another L, as the kids say, and Gandalf uses the hooves of Shadowfax mid-ceremony. The Mare Shadowfax mid-ceremony, and Denethor gets all flaming. Despite his advanced years, Denny makes phenomenally good time across the Citadel Courtyard before flinging himself from the promontory as a ball of flame. It's a shame he, it's a good news, bad news. It's a shame he went bananas. That terrifying leg speed could have taken the one ring to Oro Druin in no time at all. Saved everyone a lot of bother. I bet he could do the 110. Denny. They should just call it the 110. <laughs> Thank you, Dingus. What were those? What were those balls in the Dark Tower? What were they? Palantir. They were palantirs. Oh. Yeah. Well, they were McConaughey's palantirs. <laughs> they have the shine. They have a dark shine. Yeah. <sighs> Dingus, you're the one who read the books. Why are you asking us? You read four books and you remembered one cool thing from them, which was a guy's stomach. 
which is which is Stephen King equating fat with steel. Nice work, yeah. Stephen King. Good work, the prose master. Man, you're a great writer, Stephen King. Keep stay at, stick with that. You know, you're you're going places. <laughs> Joe Hill, Tom. That's a good news, bad news. <laughs> Wait a minute. Does what Joe Hill have anything about fire to say? Oh God, uh, Kelly Wand, you're right. You hear that, Tom? Just did to us. Yeah. Tom, the opening of the Fireman has a lovely scene that made you want to read the rest of the book because it has a man on fire in it. I tell you, there, there, there is a shortage of spontaneous combustion apocalypse fiction. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for that, Joe Hill fits the bill. It's good if it is spontaneous. Huh. Spontaneous combustion? Yeah, in a movie, it's like oh, – in a movie, it's like narrative structure. And then if you throw in a, someone on fire, it's suddenly good. So where's your structure now, old woman? See? <laughs> Number so, one. So, so when's the apocalypse coming? Uh, 2012. We should have listened. Remember that slogan? Mm. Number one, Sunshine, 2007. Commander Kaneda sends his physicist to safety and makes a valorous solo repair. Oh, this is a great one. Yeah, this is a great one. This is what freaked me out. This is where I felt like what Dingus was saying, where people get run over. Like this one, we go, ah, fuck space. Never. It's too harsh. Makes a glo- valorous solo repair of the sun shield of the otherwise very flammable Icarus II. Madame Soul makes quick work of the skipper, igniting him in picoseconds at the climax of a mystical, memorably assembled and scored sequence. Is what a picosecond a thing? I don't is know. It, I like to think so. Is Icarus something? Isn't that the name of the ship? The Am Icarus. I saying that stupid? Icarus? I miss say a lot of things. I yeah, read them, I go, oh, that's what it means, but I don't look up how to say it. Right. But I could yeah. have sworn earlier Tom said Bob Wire. Just hey, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in Towering Inferno, Robert Wag- Wagner's character's name, and they call him this, Bigelow. They call him Bigelow. Watch the movie. You'll find out. Bigelow, that's his name. Is his last name Catherine? Nice. His last name is but is it a secretary. He shows up. No, it's spelled like a. It's spelled the right way. His, he shows up, and his secretary's like, "Oh, Mr. Bigelow, blah 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 blah." Here's my dialogue. But she calls him Mr. Bigelow. That's his name. So, Tom, what's what's the name of that movie guys. where Tom Hanks becomes a child? <laughs> I can't remember the name of that. Freaky movie. Friday. Interesting. <laughs> it is the towering Inferno. Windmill Inferno. All right, listen. Tom's probably right on Bigelow. Yep. <laughs> he's not. He's not? I mean, I know he's not son windmill. No, it's pronounced Cameron. If you guys don't want to watch The Tower in Inferno, if you think that Irwin Allen doesn't know a thing or two about how to say people's names... It's Irwin. Could be, actually. <laughs> uh, the credits in Tower in Inferno, because he didn't direct the movie, but he does get a credit. It says, action scenes directed by Irwin Allen. Ooh. Oh. He got a credit for the action scene directing. It doesn't say Erwin <laughs> Allen presents at the beginning. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. It says Ron Howard it. Ron Howard did not produce this. Whenever I saw those words as a kid, maybe this is more about me than the movie, but and it would say Erwin <laughs> Allen presents. I always pictured a man like opening a raincoat on uh, okay. <laughs> it's a different kind of movie, Kelly Wan. And I would Yeah, I know. <laughs> When Alan presents. 
See, it's uh, uh, there is a sexual connotation to the word present if you are a primate. That's true. But it's the lady. Rob Ott writes, I'm all caught up on QT3 movie podcasts again and can finally contribute to a Kelly Wants' 3 by 3 sis on award ceremonies, ringtones. Okay, I had nothing for those. People on fire. Kelly, there's something wrong with you. Don't ever change. <laughs> I think consider this one good topic I've ever done. Except for oceans. Number three, Saving Private Ryan. A Nazi bunker's... Cl- oh, I just watched this. Clear the smoke. Just this part. Then I fall asleep. Then grenades, then a flamethrower. After the uphill battle, the beach invasion, the fire erupting from the bunker is almost cathartic. Then a soldier tells everyone to not shoot and let them burn. And we remember that war is hell and not cool. Also ripped off from Deer Hunter. I'm just saying. Mm. Is it let them burn us? Oh, well, there's that famous cut in Deer Hunter from the wedding to, I think it's De Niro with a flamethrower. Mm. Number two, Fury. Same kind of thing, but notable more for Michael Pena's delivery of should have let him burn. See? Mm. Watered down. Sums it up. It's on on the path to Suicide Squad. What do you expect? The good news is the battle's over. The bad news. Number one, Mortal Kombat. Scorpion ignites from a metal spear, then has his skull sliced with this. This is white people's uh, anime time. <laughs> Scorpion ignites from a metal spear, then has his skull sliced with a saw blade shield that is also on fire. Then he explodes. War is hell, but Mortal Kombat's totally rad. I remember liking the first one. Am I dumb? I was really baked. Thanks for continuing to make the best movie podcast around and keep those wandopsies coming, Rob. You know, as long as movies like The Dark Tower get made, the Opsis is totally listenable. As long as there's no vacuum cleaners. Nicholas Arvisage. What's the guy who directed Dark Tower's name again, Dingus? Oh, that's him. He wrote in. Awesome. Oh, wow. Nicholas Arvisage writes. <laughs> no, wait. This is Arthur Giovannangeli. <laughs> Sorry. I misread. Number three, kick-ass. When Mark Strong's thugs are going to publicly execute Aaron Taylor Johnson and Nicolas Cage, they end up dumping gas on them and lighting Cage on fire. <laughs> He's always on fire or yelling, hey, hey at someone else on fire. That's well, he does. The, there's some weird yells here. Like, he's yelling at his daughter. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's – he's doing and weird cages. And 28 Weeks Later music while he's burning to death. They play the 28 Weeks Later song. Yeah. And he's calling her like baby doll or something. I forgot. Yeah, yeah what he's screaming. Yeah, it's a weird oh, scene. Jeez, yeah. Tom, that's right. What? I didn't. I didn't yeah. write kick ass. Talk to Mark Miller. Yeah. Even though he's burning to death, Cage still manages to yell helpful instructions to his daughter, Chloe Grace Moritz, who's <laughs> attempting to rescue the two of them. The scene is very FPS inspired and features night vision and strobe lights and cage continues to burn throughout all of this. The scene is still great to watch and the burning cage is part of the atmosphere. Number two, free fire. Michael Smiley shot a cop. Giant phone. Uh, smiley uh, soaked in lighter fluid. Light him on fire. Cop gets hold of a fire extinguisher. Puts out fire. Uh, it's severely burned. It's fitting that in all the chaos of this failed gun deal, somebody gets lit on fire. <laughs> wow. And the title makes sense. Yeah. And they, and they don't charge him. Right. Uh, Return of the King is Arthur <laughs> Jelly's number one. I should have foreseen this. Do you want to hear his description? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, Yeah. How everybody everybody remembers what 
Okay, because Dingus was very particular about it being a steward, so we'll see um, right. these sure. details please him. Denethor II, son of Ecthelion II, the 26th and final steward of Gondor, is greatly distressed when he learns that his son Faramir was grievously wounded after Denethor ordered him to retake the city of Osgiliath, white people's anime, from the forces of Sauron. Due to his misgivings of it's making me like anime. Like I see that it's like faster paced. Anime. It's just a funny name thing. Due to his misgivings about his position as steward of Gondor, Denethor decides he will have a great funeral pyre for him and Faramir, since they're not kings and will not be buried in royal tombs. In order to accomplish this, uh, there was a reason. Denethor has his personal guards build a pile of timber and douse the both of them in oil. Just follow the orders. Just as the fuel is lit, Gandalf the White, who is informed of the goings-on by Peregrine Took, bursts into rescue Faramir from the flames, but Denethor is not so lucky. See? No good news for him. Denethor, as was predicted earlier by Gandalf, regains some sanity, remembers his love for his second son, and also realizes that he is on fire, and panics and runs away. <laughs> Epiphanies come in threes. We see the burning figure of Denethor as he runs towards the edge of the Minas Tirith Citadel and jumps up in the city below a flame the entire time, and so passes Denethor, son of Ecthelion. <laughs> I saw it as Gandalf just writing the epitaph. All he did. <sighs> Making it sound kind of cool. Alexander Burns. Hey, Ding Dongs. I couldn't help but give good old Dingus a nice when you brought his topic to the table, Wand. Oh, this topic to the table. Well done. Get it? Fire. Well done. <laughs> Number three. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Three of the four Ding Dongs in this movie were not allowed into the Harry's poker game, so they're asked to hang at the pub down the street. Right as they're about to open the door, some dude flails out the door on fire. Later, we found out it was because he asked the wrong mofo to turn off the football game. Wow, rude. No one picked 71 yet. Number two, Scrooged. Yep, another Scrooged pick. After being visited by his mentor from beyond the grave, Frank Cross has strange visions. At dinner, while his boss and new asshole of a coworker are talking, Frank sees a waiter on fire while lighting a baked Alaska. Frank rushes over, pouring a large craft of water all over the waiter, who, of course, was never actually on fire. P.S. Ask Tom to pronounce the word carafe. Carafe. Like giraffe. Right. right. Carafe? Yeah. Carafe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carafe. Wait. Yeah. Why would I be asked to pronounce that? See? At, you got to ask yourself that question. Carafe. 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 You said it right. It's just fun to check. I don't know, because I thought barbed wire. Never mind. Number three. Let the right one in. As the movie's entering its third act, Virginia's in the hospital after being bit by Eli. Next morning, she asks, please open the shutters. Why are those vamps flammable? Thanks, dads. Alex. <laughs> Soren Hoogland writes, Hey, guys, I wound up with the theme of people setting themselves on fire. Number three, paw, sun, the reflecting skin. This might get me in trouble Ooh. with the authorities. You don't see the person being on fire. Just a cut to a blazing inferno after young Seth's his dad, the reflecting yeah. skin. Come on, yeah, someone? Philip Ridley. It's a v- early Viggo Mortensen. Uh, no one else famous is in it, I don't think. I haven't seen it. Come on, have you not seen Reflecting? It's a Kelly Wand movie. It sounds really, like it. It's really gruesome stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, after young Seth's not closeted enough for society, Dad gives one of his gas pumps a vigorous blowjob and lights some matches. And I, because I, I see that, like, I, if you'd asked me, does it show it? I would have said, yeah. I mean, it definitely implies it enough that I've got a visual image in my head of his dad doing that. The good news is my housekeeper doesn't understand any of this English. She's over here. Even the word vigorous. Vigorous. Tom, say vigorous. Tom, say sciatica. Sciatica? Ah. Scared of vigorous. Number two. That prison riot. What? In sciatica. Prison. No, it was an Ethan Hawke movie. Number two. Gattaca? Yeah, remember in Goodfellas where they see you in Gattaca, Dick? The end. The cop. Yeah, sciatica, New York. Sciatica. Yeah, <laughs> Name Connor. Number two. Could you please open the blinds? Let the right one in. I didn't say it right. <laughs> Virginia doesn't just want to live as what she. <laughs> I would love it if she had said it. That if way. she'd said Can it like you, that, that probably would have. Can you please it. open the blinds? Jesus. <laughs> Number one. For the baby. <laughs> I hate myself so much. That's the good news. Let the fire burn away the old. You'll rise anew. Think Phoenix. Heartless. Are they called Heartless? Jeez, yeah, that's a weird. That might also wow. be. It sounds familiar. No, that's it's uh not Andrew Garfield. Maybe it is Andrew Garfield. It's yeah, with all the demons, uh, people who are demons, like, and it's literally about uh, not having heart. Like I think a demon, like the devil, comes up and steals your heart. So it's like a supernatural five pounds. Yes, very good. What does the word phoenix have involved? I don't know. Did you say? Did you say phoenix? That's part of the line. Because you made me think of the the last stand where phoenix is on fire, basically. Anyway, go ahead. Jamie's self-immolating with a Molotov cocktail to the quasi-sexual pleasure of devil figure Papa B. Runner-up because it didn't fit my theme. Freddie Lowndes' flaming wheelchair routine in Manhunter. Boom. Chris Webb writes, 3 by 3 Baru, or Favorite People on Fire. Number 3, Home Alone. Harry's head is blowtorched. He puts it out in the snow. I remember that. <laughs> He's really agile. This is what it was my takeaway. Shut up, Kelly. Number 2, Terminator 2. Sarah Connor's dream of, oh, never mind, too soon. Yeah, see? More than just being a nuclear war the second I arrived there in a week, two weeks. What is it? Number one, Wild at Heart. National treasure Laura Dern's father, not Bruce, but the one in the movie, was killed in a fire when she was young, and we were shown multiple flashbacks to a stuntman on fire in a burning house. It's so absurd, it's almost comical. It's David Lynch. It's also because uh, Diane Lane's laughing at him. Or not Diane Lane. Who's Laura Dern's mom? Stan Lad, thank you. Diana Gardner. Thank you. Oh, by the way, but, I just rewatched Lynch's. Yeah. But Chris makes you think about that whole opening or that, that scene in the in the bar and in, in her bar in Nepal because the guy's arms are on fire while he's fighting Indiana Jones. I was thinking of the fire at the end when the arc is opened, but those guys are all on fire. I mean, that's. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot that stuff about the early stuff in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's so totally many great deaths it. in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and that's but, what I kept thinking during Crystal Skull. It's just yeah. like, uh, yeah, I know, dumb, but 
By the way, I just rewatched Lynch's Straight Story, and that PG-rated Disney movie has lots of smoking in it. Tom and Dingus' shunt should not see it. Yeah, definitely don't. That's that's uncool. I also have a pick I wasn't sure of, but since the movie solves racism at the end, I'll mention it. The subway employee that melts into the lava and volcano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zodiac. That's yeah. John Carroll Lynch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, Mr. Fargo, because <laughs> Francis McDormand's character's name is Fargo. She's the Jaws of Fargo. <laughs> He's Mr. Fargo. Thanks, C-Web. Markertson writes, Hey, guys, here are some of my favorite people on fire. Number three, this is the end. Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel start to fight, causing a candle to fall to the floor and roll over to a bed where a possessed Jonah Hill's tied up. The flames quickly spread and engulf Hill. I still like it. I know what you guys are saying, but... You know... It's better than the interview. It's a good news, bad news. Number two, hardcore Henry. Charlotte Copley and Henry are both set on fire while on a bus. Henry uses some bottled water to put the flame <laughs> out. So <Copley> gets <laughs> Good news, bad news. Number one, free fire. Hmm. My favorite character in the movie tries to get to a phone. He's unsuccessful and winds up getting set on fire. <laughs> That's so Canadian, the way you wrote that. He's unsuccessful. That's great. Yeah. Totally spoiler-free. Well, not totally. Thanks, guys. Chris. And that's it for listener submissions. People on fire. We did Runners it. up. What else is there? Boy, they... They drained most of my runners up. There was one I had that, but I think doesn't really work. It's I think and Godfather Two, when um, Robert De Niro is doing his first assassination, and he's wrapped the uh, this towel around the revolver when he's shooting, and the the towel catches on fire, and he has to take the towel off of himself. But it's not really him being on fire; it's just a towel being on fire. Kelly Wan, in that scene in The Visitor where that guy's car rolls over and wrecks and gets wrapped up in the chain link fence, do you know what I'm talking about? Doesn't he no. burn? Well, come on, what, you're the one that made me movie? watch that movie. The Visitor, the Visitor? that thing with oh, wow. yeah. oh, the John Huston thing. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't doesn't someone no. drive a car through a chain link fence and the car turns over so that the chain link fence is wrapped around the car's windows so you can't get out of it? Right, right. And it ends up upside down and he burns to death in it, right? Yeah. And that's like gruesome yeah. is the chain link fence is wrapped like a cocoon around the car because you drove it through it, you doofus. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're burning to death in the car. It's horrific. The what good the- news is the cow's out. <laughs> that's not good news. Those are oh, both bad true. news. You've, yeah. you've released the cow, the, the chain link. And by the way, it's a playground, not a cow. So the children are running loose, Kelly Wan. Right. There's a cow on it. <laughs> Why was there a cow in the playground? Put a yeah. cow on it. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, what's the in. Richard Jenkins movie then? That's the, the visitor. Yeah, that's the good the visitor. visitor. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a bunch one. of visitors, and there's a bunch of um, second chances. I think that's a popular title for the movies. I remember distinctly, and this is really freaky. Uh, there's a terrible slasher movie from the '70s called "Don't Go in the House." Oh. So judgy. Speaking of advice, yeah. <laughs> be more and, specific. Which one? That's what I would be saying. That's the sequel. We're not supposed to go in the house that the protagonist lives in because he lures women into the house. Uh huh. 
And then he takes – this is just so freaky and weird and gross, and I rewatched the movie to see – it's just weird, and I still actually don't know how they do this. He lures chicks in, and he he puts them in a completely uh, – like a reflective steel room, <clears throat> and they're naked and tied up. Like that guy's stomach. And he goes in there in an asbestos suit with a flamethrower. What? And burns them up, like what? that's like a slasher movie. But that's his mo instead of. He fucks uh, up his own house, though. No, because it's in a steel in case. He's got a steel in oh, case. Oh, I see. I see. Right. In his house, like Devil in the White City guy. I don't know what that is, but it, it, it's a serial killer during the World's Fair, Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah, Holmes, H.H. Holmes, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he burned up people though. Uh, he had like a special room built in the thing. He had all kinds of weird things in that. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, Although I suspect, well, yeah, I don't know. They found a footprint in it. But in this movie, and this is the '70s, they didn't, they didn't. I don't know if it was like a photography trick or, but they would show people getting set on fire. Like it was, I don't know how they did it. it was Without the asbestos. Yeah, there's like naked people getting set on fire. He walks in and doesn't cut away, uh, and he, he sets them on fire, and they burn up. And I don't. There's, I don't know. there's a million. Come on. It has to be asbestos. There's some flame retardant. Thing. No, it's a they had that in the 70s. It's not, it's not a stunt man. It's a naked chick, Kelly Wand. It's not oh, a stunt man wrapped up in an asbestos outfit. Well, maybe they just found a girl who was going to be set on fire anyway, <laughs> like the, the horse and the Godfather that Coppola found. Mm. Don't think so. Uh, nay, nay, kid, girl. Um, maybe they're well, the good news. She's naked. Um, yeah, I don't. I, by the way, just I want to take a stand here. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna. I think this is courageous of me to say, but I don't approve of setting women on fire. I think it's you're you're anti women on fire. I think it's sexist, and I think yep. it's. Um, I think that's a bold stand. It's mean. Now I think he does fight like the police. Like there's a policeman investigating the murders, and I think he fights the policeman at the end with his flamethrower while he's wearing the asbestos suit the policeman is not so he's fighting a policeman at the end of the movie who's a dude okay in that case it's fine right so he's equal opportunity burner basically right well Well, as you you know if if you're going up against like a sorcerer you can just use a gun (laughs) I know right is that in the books is it bullets versus don't breathe (laughs) (laughs) Like, does the sorcerer have a gun in the books? Never mind. We're way past that. I understand. Yeah, sorry. All right, other runners up for People on Fire. Otherwise, Dingus, what's next week's is there anything in? Is there anybody in Constantine who's on fire? That's the other thing I was thinking of. There's so many demons who are on fire. but We're forgetting a ton. Yeah, I'm sure. And of course, there's... Wet. Fire, fire, though. There's X-Men where... Uh, the fire dude like can catch fire to himself. Are you thinking of Johnny Flame? And of and of course Fantastic Four. Right. And House of Wax. That's yeah, so one kill at Sarah did a movie called uh, uh Run All Night. And in it I was hoping this would happen. Common and Liam Neeson at a certain point they're fighting in a burning building and their guns get knocked out of their hands. So they both pick up sticks that are on fire. And they're fighting each other with burning sticks. And I watched this scene again, but unfortunately, none of them, oh. they don't ever catch on fire. But they whack each other with burning sticks. Pretty fierce. Mm-hmm. 
Do we ever see wow. the English English patient on fire, or is it just the aftermath? The aviator's on fire, and the aviator. ah, yeah, that's true. Speaking of speaking of Dahan, wait, why is that Dahan? Oh, oh, because he's lesser. Well, right. the Dark Tower kid, right? It's like the uh, Ascent of Man pictures with the apes, where it goes from like what the kid in Dark Tower, yeah, Dahan. Dahan. And Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh, a scent of man. Okay, I thought you meant like a scent of a woman. Booyah! Wait, All right, Dingus, what do we got next week? What are we going to do? All right, so this, and what are we going to see? Flamethrower uh, in this place. This reminds me of... Um, okay, so I, I came up with this one because of watching uh, The Dark Tower. Uh-oh. Because um, always been a promising phrase. Yep. <laughs> the kid is constantly like dodging traffic as he runs across the street. So this is characters crossing streets in movies. <laughs> Kelly, one, did you give him that? Is that something you provided Dingus with? When was that? Mm, sounds like a Kelly Wan topic. I need to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll guarantee, I'll guarantee. So you know that sort of like oh I'm running across the street and oh beep beep oh what, wait no ah beep beep so characters crossing streets in the movies did the beep beeps have to factor into the nope okay that was just uh, okay nope just characters they have to be real characters they have to be colorful people <laughs> and they have and to they be can't... moving they have to be moving perpendicular to the street you're saying yeah they can't be walking along it that's not crossing, huh, Dingus? You can do whatever you want with this. What about what? Boulevard Did you just hear what he said, Kelly Wand? He just said we can do whatever we want with it. All right. right. Remember those words. Huh. All right. Yep. Does an ocean count as a street? Nope. It's a street and of nor, nor does a river. What about a, a hyperspace corridor? To nor, does hyperspace, nor does a, a birth canal in the street. What about um, like a wardrobe? Right, it's characters crossing Plaza. straight across the street, and only one of them, and it's only one movie. You can, you, all, we all have to choose the same movie. What about a lowercase t? Because those are crossed, and Street has two of them. Right, and and you can't pick Passion of the Christ just because there's what? a cross in it. Cross. Oh, he has to because he's not. He has to carry it down the street. You know what I'm talking about. All right, all right, all right. When they're running across streets and everybody's like, honk. Running. Characters crossing streets in movies. Come on. Okay. Characters. All right, so if you have any ideas of characters crossing streets in movies that are your favorites, then write them into 3x3 at quarter3.com. That's 3x3 at quarter3.com. And if you have any ideas for the next movie we are about to see, which is a movie called Atomic Blonde. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Um, then send in your thoughts about Atomic Blonde to our next podcast as well. And you can send them into 3x3 at quarter3.com. I only ask that you put Atomic Blonde's thoughts in the actual uh subject line so that we don't get confused uh, with the 3 by 3 emails. 
Yeah. Do you know when Ding is opening up an email thinking that he's going to be reading your thoughts on people crossing streets only to discover you talking about Atomic Blonde? Let's avoid exactly. that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, for instance, Chris Markinson wrote in this week, and he said, The Dark Tower or Tom Taylor is no Daphne Keene or Arsenia Nanoa. <laughs> I'll say. You can say that again. Yeah. Tell me about uh, it. Make sure to get these choices in by – August 20th at midnight Pacific, if you would like us to read them on the air, which we would like to. Join us for that next week, uh, Characters Crossing Streets, after a discussion of Atomic Blonde. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. And Kelly Wand. The good news is this podcast is over. (laughs) The bad news is we have another one coming up in a week. Tom, explain to me what happened in that movie I saw. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. That wasn't Tom talking. What's wrong? Meds stop working? Oh, I'll just keep saying dumb shit till you crack.